0: Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is composer, songwriter, jazz guitarist, Mike Bryce. Mike is currently residing in Bowling Green, Ohio, where he went to school as well, BGSU. He's originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, he's a really nice guy. He was awesome enough to meet me down at Flatlands Coffee, which I want to shout out Flatlands Coffee because they totally let us just set up and, and go, and most coffee shops let me get away with that. I've never had a problem at a store where they're like, you can't have a conversation on a microphone here asshole uh, but big shout out to flatlands and mike bryce of course mike bryce has a new album out well it's newish it's it was recorded over the last couple years but it was released back in 2017 it's called eclectic guitar and you can find that on itunes spotify anywhere you get your digital music you can also check out mike music.com which is m-i-k-e B-R-Y-C-E-M-U-S-I-C dot com, and you can hire him for a guitar player, you can hire him for lessons, to record, whatever you want, Mike is available. He is a working full-time musician, which you will soon find out. Um, yeah, great talk, and we get a little nerdy on this in the deconstruction of, uh, of how, in, how we went about recording Eclectic Guitar. Not too, nor- <laughs> not too nordy, not too nordy, not too nerdy, uh, not in like the theory side because I don't know anything about theory. Uh, well, I do a little bit, but not enough to really talk it. Like you know, like w- like with Mike, you c- if I would have approached it from like a nerdy music theory point of view interview type thing, he could have done just fine with that as well. So he knows his shit. I kind of know things. <laughs> <laughs> anyways now that i'm done trashing my abilities <laughs> uh I, no i really enjoyed this conversation because we talked about like completing uh, you know starting a project and writing music for a project and and it might kind of put parameters on his own writing and releasing and stuff so he kind of put pressure on himself which is fine i think that works you'll hear in the podcast that like You'll hear it. Just listen to the conversation, and you'll hear what I'm talking about. But he, uh, but I really like talking about it because me and Reyna are getting in the the mix. The final mix is a mastering of our own EP, which is coming out shortly. I don't soon, uh, probably in the next couple months. We're we're getting. we're 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 moving forward so i'm pretty excited about that i'm pretty excited that we're gonna have um we're gonna have these songs out in the world and uh, and done with them uh we, we we toyed around with the idea of maybe going back in and, and producing them a little bit but Reyna's original idea for the the ep um, which I think it's tentatively 1018. That's the name of the album, but I don't know. She might change it. But um, but her whole idea behind the album was just to do something stripped down and live, no overdubs or anything. Just of just a capture of a moment in time. Uh, a capture of a moment in sound you know so that's what what she went for with this Um, she was the executive producer on this I just wrote some of the stuff so I wrote a few of the songs on the on the EP but you know she took it from me and and gave it to them so I mean like it's really her her album and and it's it's beautiful and I'm really excited for it to come out so kind of tied in a plug there (laughs) It was kind of kind of a loose and sloppy tie but you know we do what we can in this world that's all you can that's all you can ask for out of anybody <clears throat> You can go and write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com you can check out the barren wasteland that is the we speak English good.net. you can follow me on Instagram at we speak English good uh, I, I've been I've, I've been trying to build my IG and I've just been it's been cool because I'm learning how my content works like how I uh, how I harvest content that sounds terrible. That's a terrible way to say just coming up with shit to post, but <laughs> um, uh, it's cool. I- I'm having a lot of fun with it because I'm doing a lot of tutorials right now. I'm doing like country licks, which goes good with this, with this podcast because we play a few songs off the album, and you'll hear kind of a recurring theme through the songs that we play on this podcast. If you listen to the whole album, it, it, there's a variety of songs, but there's like a bluesy, country, jazzy thing going on with Eclectic guitar um uh, Mike Bryce I'm talking about Mike Bryce's album so you'll hear all that stuff but yeah I'm I'm putting up kind of tutorial videos and I'm not the greatest guitar player so I'm kind of aiming towards beginners and not like advanced guitars because obviously there's guitars out there who can just wait I mean that's just such a stupid statement to even say because it's very obvious that there are great guitar players out there Mike being one of them, he has a very tasteful approach, which I which I always appreciate. Rather than just hitting a bunch of notes and saying, "Hey, I did it," um, there's a real art to soloing and saying something with music, um, singing, speaking with your instrument. It's always been a goal of mine, and that's what I'm currently working on. Anyways, I'm rambling. Let's jump on over to Mike, and, um, oh, you know what? Mike does have some gigs coming up this weekend. I just saw on his Facebook, so why don't I plug that? And tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the 24th, is that what today's date is? Yes. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, the day it comes out, you'll see that, uh, uh, well, Greenacre Acre Session has a gig tonight at Bar Louie at the Franklin Park Mall. If you're in Toledo, if not, then you don't get to see us, <laughs> which I'm sure you're not crying about that. But you should be because we're good. Uh, okay, so let's see. Uh, Mike will be sitting in. looks like Corey Jolly at the Corey Hill Winery in Burling Heights. So he's going to be playing uh is friday the 26th from 6 9 30 at the quarry hill winery and then saturday he'll be playing oh wait no that's corey jolly my bad he'll be playing with mike Uh, mike will be at the stone's throw in bowling green this saturday the 27th so um my bad sorry mike <laughs> got that all wrong <laughs> Anyways, okay, so that's that's that. Let's jump on over to the conversation with Mike Bryce. Oh, oh no. Ace has been super instrumental on um on when I came back into town, uh, getting me gigs, introducing me to the right people, and um, uh, just inviting me out, getting me out of the house and stuff like that. A, like, have you lived here your whole life?
1: Yeah. Is this on mic? Yeah. It's on the record? Yeah, if you, you know. want. I mean, no, I yeah, that's cut fine. this up.
0: I'm, uh, I'm from Pennsylvania.
1: Pittsburgh area. Okay, hence <laughs> yeah. the hat. Hence the hat.
0: Do you yeah. like baseball? I,
1: not really. I'm just he's <laughs> just representing the ho- hometown, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm from there. Um, but I came out here um, seven years ago to come to college. So, oh, so you ended up in BG through school. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So I went to BGSU
0: uh, and graduated two years ago, and I'm still here. Right on. What so in, in so you grew outside of Pittsburgh, like a suburb or yeah. something? Okay. Yeah. Like Pittsburgh area. That's Pittsburgh, always I, the
1: easiest way to say
0: it. No, no, I understand. Like if I tell people I'm from Oregon, sure. like people are just like, You mean the state? Right. And you know it's called Oregon. And I was just like, No, I'm from this weird little Ohio. Toledo. It's called Toledo. Right. Just let's leave it at Toledo. Yeah. Uh, that helps. okay, so dude, Pittsburgh is a beautiful city. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, like 10, 15 years ago, I remember like friends of mine would be like, oh, God, Pittsburgh is awful. Like, they hated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. These oh, are yeah. transplants. Mm-hmm. These are transplants. I'm curious. But in the last 15 years or so, it seemed to, like, I was just there last week. And mm-hmm. it was beautiful. It was, it, mm-hmm. I mean, like... There's that one like mountain range that overlooks the city where that church is on top of, it and it has that outlook. You know what I'm talking about? That um, it,
1: on the south side of the city. It's I called think Mount so. Washington. I think, I think so. It's that one. My sister lives on that. Actually. Oh, okay. They, uh, obviously, there's a lot king of, of the castle, huh? <laughs> it's a. Oh yeah, it's great. It's a great city.
0: Um, I don't know. Like, do you do you do you feel that way? Like, did did Pittsburgh, has Pittsburgh kind of like come up in the last you know 10, 15 years, or I is think that it's just a misrepresentation?
1: I think it's been good. For as long as I've known it
0: really it's um, so. like a like like a, from a musician's standpoint, is it like a city has it always been a city where a musician could go and work and like
1: yeah, well, I actually don't know too much about the music scene, surprisingly because oh. i didn't haven't lived there since I was eighteen, right, and when I was in high school in the suburb of Pittsburgh, I wasn't necessarily playing yeah you were in weren't the, out the bars, music scene, exactly. yeah yeah exactly, yeah. um, but I've heard good things too, <laughs> about the about the music scene I mean, you uh, didn't go to
0: the shows or anything. Some, but not to. You, really were, know, you were you were know in your I mean? no I no. Guess. You were in your room learning scales, right? Yes. Okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> that, I good, um, good summer. <laughs> no, beca- no, because well, yeah. So I was much, in high
1: school, so I pro- I wasn't really getting into downtown Pittsburgh music. Right, scene, right. Certainly. But
0: like when I was in high school, I was going to clubs and like watching shows, like all ages clubs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And as a, cool a fan kid. of music. I wasn't cool at all, <laughs> trust me, I was like 325 pounds mm-hmm. and sweaty and <laughs> hungry and <laughs> nobody really wanted to hang out with me, I mean kind of. Uh, I found a group of little asshole musician friends that I could hang out with and that's sort of where I gravitated, but I was definitely the kid who was in, the, in my room, mm-hmm. um, lonely, <laughs> but like focused on learning to a certain point and Mm -hmm. at some point I just sort of broke off and stopped trying so hard Mm -hmm. that's why I'm not the greatest like I would never go out to a jazz jam and be like I'm gonna show these guys you know Right. but I would definitely go to like a blues jam and be like I can hold my own you know so Mm -hmm. there's definitely a difference between um, uh, musicians who and I can't speak for all musicians and this is definitely a sweeping generalization but like When you have, like, the jazz camps, (laughs) Mm. and then you have, like, everything else, or jazz and classical camps, you have this very focused and studied, and there's a certain kind of person that goes with it. No offense against you, but, like, I could tell that, I mean, especially listening to your album, Mm -hmm. that you spent a lot of time in your room learning. Mm -hmm. So, so... Yeah,
1: well, it's funny you mentioned that, because it's... I'm, you know, aware of those differences that you talk about. I'm just, I'm just talking out loud It's, It's it's all good. I mean, I, yeah, and I went to music school, right? Mm -hmm. When I came to BGSU, I did study jazz guitar. Right. So there is that side of it, but I don't want to be all in that side because there's plenty of musicians like that and they're happy like Mm -hmm. that. But I also do, um, I like going to a lot of shows and, Mm -hmm. and, uh just jamming with other musicians for fun wh- whatever style yeah uh and I think in BG I've also found a lot of other musicians who like to do that too so yeah th- I have a jazz background to an extent but I l- really like a lot of styles of music
0: and so what what was your like your lineage of music where did that where did that what sort of set you on that path mm-hmm. like do you is your parents mm-hmm. musicians and no stuff like not
1: really so I mean I started probably the way maybe you started or a lot of people started. Mm. I was twelve, you know, yeah, right? yeah. I wanted to play rock guitar. So Metallica. I, did that. Oh, I
0: thought I had my Metallica shirt out still. <laughs> <laughs> that was this morning. Perfect okay. timing.
1: Uh yeah, so I would have uh I, I started playing rock guitar in that way and just got better and better and jazz at first was kind of just the natural progression, right? You keep getting better and I had a guitar teacher in high school who was a really great jazz guitarist in the Pittsburgh area. And so he kind of pushed me into that a little bit too, but I started enjoying it a lot. And as I was finishing high school, I decided I, or I thought I knew. I, I, it ended up being a good choice, but yeah, you don't really know what you want to do. Right, in high right. School. Well, kids. So are I was like, just yeah, dumb, let's you know, I'll, I'll yeah, play right, music. So, yeah. So I did audition, you know, at some schools for guitar, and BG ended up being a good place for me. Oh, cool. Out here,
0: and it's not too uh, far from home either. Were your parents it's, it's stoked about, four about hours, that? so yeah it's a good balance yeah you know, I, it's I not on the other found side of place but yeah
1: it's it's not too hard to go home and visit either uh and i also that's like a guitar playing side mm-hmm. the, the guitar playing side of me, I guess, but I really also like songwriting a lot mm-hmm. and a lot of like folk music that sort of thing, and um Bob Dylan was person yeah. i really got into in high school right, right but then yeah. of course you like a lot of people might branch out from that to you're like who did bob known dylan listen to yeah, 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 yeah and not yeah. just further back but i yeah. mean modern and yeah just, yeah and then who else what's his contemporaries yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah right, right. who's
0: joan baez yeah yeah right, right. right. who's pete right. Seeger? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah 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 uh, just
1: getting into the style i guess oh and uh
0: thank you sir uh that's fancy i like that look at that We'll, we're gonna get a picture for the Instagram Go right ahead <laughs> this is my life now uh, taking pictures of food it's a sad existence <laughs> <it's all right. laughs> um, um, so
1: actually, sorry. I guess one thing I could say is um,
0: so you got into like songwriting and folk and just right. like the idea of how a song is like put together like right. uh, especially a, a pop folky sort of song Sort of, yeah. Yeah, all
1: different styles. And um, I want to get more specific. I'm still waking up. That's That's okay. Uh, Me too,
0: man. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. Um,
1: But one thing, I'm sure this will come up at some point, but uh, there's a student organization here at BGSU called the Roots Music Club Mm -hmm. that I started four years ago now. And that's been... I was the president of it for its first two years. You well, started it,
0: mm-hmm. and you were the president. Mm-hmm. Go figure.
1: Yeah, and it was uh, so I ran it the first two years, yeah. and then graduated. So yeah. other people are running it because it's a Oh, nice. So it's something
0: that continues. Yeah, it's still after going. You so that's,
1: that's good. But that was, I think, good for me for a lot of reasons because uh, it brought a lot of people together, and I personally made a lot of friends and other and met a lot of other musicians. Mm. And it was kind of at first. Uh, A good way to not be sucked into the jazz and classical world Mm -hmm. because when you're in music school it's kind of like that it's very studied and that sort of thing it needs to be to a point but one thing I wanted to do was get a lot of other musicians around campus together into the music school Mm -hmm. that that wouldn't be there otherwise right? if they're not music majors Uh, and and there's a lot of great musicians some of it was some people were amateurs right and just Mm -hmm. learning on their own and if they're having a great time doing it, then that's great. And I think everybody has something valuable to offer, especially totally. if, they're, if they're working at it. right? Yeah, totally. But I also met a lot of musicians who were really talented, really skilled. If mm-hmm. you've heard my album, you've heard some of the vocalists yeah. and musicians on there, they weren't all yeah. music students with me or anything like that. Uh,
0: but through this thing so that you created, you yeah, kind like, of had like a magnet for people, the, for you to meet different... Yeah, different I mean, it served different. a lot of
1: functions, and yeah. there were a lot of, a ba- a lot of bands that uh, formed th- through meeting in the club, a lot of friends, some relationships. Mm-hmm. Just had a wedding two days ago Aww. with people who... <laughs>
2: That's so cute. <laughs> I love I'm that. I'm not in the
1: Roots Music Club, but close. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, I think it's uh, that really helped me with the songwriting thing, because I was around people who are actually focusing on writing songs mm-hmm. instead of the like studying as a music student yeah sort of side I don't know if you've heard the name Boo Lee Crosser no no he's a songwriter. St- he's still in BG but he's been playing more around the Toledo area all around his name's Tom but his stage name is Boo Lee, boo Lee Crosser bootly Boo
0: Lee Crosser so like boo and then Lee and then crosser, crosser yeah okay
1: and it's actually it's got significant meaning to it we won't get into it (laughs) the stage name but yeah his name's tom (laughs) so so we will call him tom (laughs) and he's a guitarist yeah he's a guitar player singer songwriter Mm -hmm. um and he's he's an amazing songwriter and he was one of the close friends i met in the roots music club and i think we kind of rubbed off on each other a bit like he's playing more together he plays more jazz guitar now and, Mm. and and going for that sort of thing, and I think just listening to him, listening to his music and how he writes, really rubbed off on my songwriting.
0: Yeah, I yeah, think, totally. So. It's like it's like um, when people tell you uh, if you want to get better at something, go hang out with people who are better at that mm-hmm. than you are. Right. So like, especially for jazz, like it's definitely suggested, especially because I at one time attempted to be a jazz player. <laughs> Uh, and um, yeah that's what they all said it's like go Murphy's was a place I don't know if you were here when Murphy's was around but Murphy's was a jazz club in downtown Toledo Um, it was pretty popular Uh, Claude Black and Clifford Murphy who were both like old detroit like motown guys Mm -hmm. but jazz fucking legends and shit um they ran that club and that was like go there and like just hang out and just go be in that scene go be in that and so Mm -hmm. that's what i tell everybody um but so you did it with the with um by the way this is here if you want to like just nervously play with something oh i see (laughs) it's fun yeah it's a fidget cube (laughs) that's cool no, if I you, you want to just one. fidget around. That's all right. Thank you. I, I put I'd like to put it out just because sometimes people will be sitting there playing with wires gotcha. and stuff. you are not. That's very considerate of you. <laughs> I try to be accommodating. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you went and you kinda like basically went and studied with some guy, right? Like mm-hmm. you kinda took out almost a mentorship. Would you say that or no? <clears throat> um what with Tom? Yeah. I wouldn't
1: say that. No. <laughs> so I'm
0: not going that far. <laughs> God. Well, Tom I, in, I mean <laughs> no. The way play. you described it, it just right. seemed like you were um, learning quite. a lot from him, but you are right, just yeah. being He's in just proximity. A, yeah, of, we're the same age. Yeah.
1: He's a good friend. Yeah. And that, that's just one example. So Got that happened him. with multiple people, Okay, I think. Um, but that's just one example of somebody who uh, I learned a lot from just playing with. Just being that's around the thing. It is again. That's another difference from music school. Because music school, you're actually having right professors mm-hmm. who are great at what they do and teaching you that. Right. Because it's what you're there for. But this, this is just friends hanging out and yeah. playing music just for fun which is a great change up for music school right i
0: still end up learning a lot which yeah in a different kind of way yeah it, like with school it always seems well it is forced because but you're it's right, right. something that you're taking part of free choice obviously but it is something that's forced on you because of your choice being a friend and something that I feel like she absorbs way easier, way quicker when you're in that kind of setting than than some guy being like, because it does turn into the Charlie Brown, wah 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 thing after a while, unless you're really into it. And I mean, not every aspect of music is super exciting mm-hmm. for me. To you, it might be. I mean, you might be, oh my God, you know, Perry Diddles, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's
1: the thing is. I mean, I really do like music theory and that sort of yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. too. So I find it all interesting. Yeah, I yeah. I think it was more of a a uh, just the environment, right? Mm-hmm. As I said, as far as playing music goes, yeah. the environment of playing music just as a music student yeah. is different than people going out to a club or bar and just playing for fun. Yeah, totally. So I think I needed a mix of those things in yeah. my life.
0: So, so what about writing? So, so did something sort of just click? Um, just because? Okay, so I like to. Talk about my examples in life and how I learned, but um, like for me, it was meeting a vocalist who I ended up marrying. Um, that kind of like put me in the direction of being able to like write a song, and because I don't know, for me, for a long time, it was like just put. My like music would just be like a bunch of things just sort of stuffed together and and just mashed together. However, however I mashed it together, no like there's no like bridge or chorus, no you know nothing. It was all just a bunch of shit just smashed together, and then I met and it was all mostly instrumental, of course too. Um, And then I met my wife and it's sort of like clicked over like oh like there's different parts of a song and like you can put this together and you can have turnarounds and you can do that so i so hooking up with a singer kind of is what made it click for me as a songwriter so so this club and like hanging out with people is kind of what made it click is there anything specifically that like sort of sticks out to you that where's like oh that makes sense and and sort of like set you on the path of writing and such, I don't know if that's uh, even a no. good question. Okay, <laughs> no, it's a good question. but No, there's not a specific moment because it, it was specific for me. me but gotcha. It's I think not it was like really more. Yeah,
1: I think it was just more gradual. Mm-hmm. So, I think by by the time I was in college, I was a music student, so I had a good yeah. grasp on just music in general. Right, know,
0: right, because you're studying that all right, the time. Right, right. Uh, so, just in a writing sense, I mean, right, so obviously, you knew, you knew, you know your shit, like you know your scales and well, stuff like that. Well, I'm saying
1: that sort of thing helps. Oh you know yeah, totally.
0: I agree. It's like knowing your fundamentals, and then, and then, what was it? It's mm-hmm. like know all the rules so you can break them. That's yeah, sure. like The general idea, sure. mm, it's so, a good idea. But
1: uh, uh, I think it was, it was just more gradual. But definitely, the club helped because one thing we did. As a student organization, we did a lot of different things, had meetings every week in the music school, which were a lot of fun, and had shows, concerts around mm. town, campus. But the biggest project every year was we recorded an album Oh wow! The, in the spring, just a compilation of... Uh, you know the members from that year and yeah. it was almost all original music oh cool uh so the first one we recorded in the spring and of you'd use 2015. like the school studio well no because that it, the newest one was just built so their facilities weren't there oh. as much so the first one we actually recorded in my apartment oh it just like a mini home studio oh, okay it turned out pretty well so i learned a lot engineering too, too. Yeah. yeah and that's not really something i do but i think but I've you learned how to do yeah, yeah. That's so, important. Uh, so that was a lot of work, but it was definitely worth it. And as far as songwriting goes, that was good because some people had music already, but some of us also wanted to write music for it. Mm-hmm. And I wrote one or two songs for that first album, too, and helped others with songs as uh-huh. well. And that was good to have a reason to write. You know, some people, like Tom, who I had mentioned, just write because they're great at it and they just want to write songs. Yeah. If they make a career... Out of it, that's wonderful, and they deserve it. But I think they kind of just write because, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I like to play guitar just because. But with songwriting, so so far at least, it's always helped to have a reason to mm-hmm. write, like some sort yeah, of yeah, project yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, cause I,
0: like, cause the, the, it's weird that sometimes you just need motivation. Cause mm-hmm. like all the things that we learned from school, because I. Did music school for a couple years. (laughs) It was a disaster. But, um, damn it, I just lost my point. Never mind. Okay, let's move on. Music school for a couple years. I did music school
1: for a couple years. Oh my god, we're talking about songwriting. We're talking about songwriting. Motivation.
0: Motivation. Mm -hmm. Finding your motivation to to just do something that you don't normally do. And it's, it's funny that, like, you go to school and, like, that's your motivation is, like, grades and, like, right, to right. learn and stuff like that. But, like, once you're done with school, it's like you're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. It's like I have this knowledge. It's like applying it to writing it specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a lot to just get you to in there right. just that's doing why you it. you need a
1: specific project or reason, or I did.
0: Well, the, the reason why I brought that up mm-hmm. is because... Um, I've talked to different people who do writing for movie scores and stuff like that. And like, that's all they have is their own motivation to create because they have libraries of songs that might never, that just might sit there forever, never ever see the light of day just because. But they have this option um, for, for their clients is like, look, you can have this kind of sound, you can have this, 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 this. They have like thousands of songs that they're just sitting there but they have to like wake up and I mean that's their motivation right. is the cell but like in the beginning that's not your motivation is like I need to make a living so yeah. I guess that's motivating well, but that's like s- to like actually instead of going and getting a job it's like I'm gonna sit here and like create something that might never go anywhere mm-hmm. and so like that fear I guess is motivating enough yeah. but like the fear of like destitute but of uh, uh, I, I don't know, like so your motivation to write it mm-hmm. comes from a different a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, and to find that within yourself just to do it, to do it just to do it, is really a practice of just your own discipline mm-hmm. for writing or music or it's like getting up and practicing your scales. It's like you don't really wanna do it sometimes, but you gotta do it. You gotta stay focused. Yeah. F- yeah. well, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I, I I'm, I'm doing a lot of yeah. that today just a bunch of trailing that's off okay. to nowhere we'll, we'll find something <laughs> we'll pull from it <laughs> yeah i think music is
1: like that in a lot yeah. of ways like right anybody being a musician it's not the same as um other careers where you, pretty much all the work you put in or a lot of the work you put in might pay might yeah off you get output yeah input yeah, music output, is definitely yeah. like that if, as a career uh so of course that's the other cliche of course you have to enjoy it right because that yes. keeps you going but as far as the songwriting goes yeah that's really commendable i think with those what those people yeah, you're talking people about do too, right just so wake
0: up and write right so as,
1: at least as far as songwriting goes it's been tougher for me to do to just write because like i enjoy yeah, yeah, it yeah. but i think i'm a little too goal-oriented and things like that i understand uh which is sometimes good but you know, sometimes I wish I could be more free flowing like that. No, but, yeah, uh,
0: I, yeah, I feel, yeah. yeah. I, I feel, I, I wish I was a little more goal oriented. Yeah, we could. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, I have all the free flowing going, goal oriented. Because I, I'm very much like that though. Like I'm very much like, um, if I need a project to work towards, mm-hmm. cause like, if not, I'll just sit there and my brain will atrophy and like, I'll yeah. just start watching better call Saul again, you know? So like, <laughs> So, like, I really have to stay motivated. And, like, when you're first starting as a musician and when you're first, like, making these small incremental gains, those small incremental gains are, like, kind of what motivates you to keep going. And, like, for someone that doesn't have a lot of patience or, like, someone who doesn't, you know, I guess is not really into it, like, you're going to fall off real fast. But, like...
1: well I this One of the main things I do now is... I'm a guitar teacher. Okay, so I see that from the other perspective. Hell it's yeah, great. you like do. It's, it's been awesome because mm-hmm. I'm. This is a cliche. This might be the biggest cliche. I can't I'm wait say today, but then I'll say <laughs> even bigger ones. But I am learning plenty from my students. Yeah, yeah, that's totally. true. And teachers say that they learn a lot from their students. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learn a lot about motivation. Mm-hmm. For talking about
0: what are some? And what are
1: some ways you motivate your students? Oh well, I just mean how the um, whole process works. Okay. Right, there's sorry. a lot of ways to motivate,
0: but it's, um, no, no, please keep talking about what you're yeah, doing. Well, I it's,
1: don't uh, because I teach all ages, mm-hmm. which is great. And yeah. I like teaching adults and, you know, um, older kids, whereas some other instruments, your whole, uh, group of students is just younger kids. Yeah. And I yeah, yeah, yeah. lessons things like that, which is fine. Right. But I like, Having an age range and it's just the instrument.
0: What just do you, what do, you, what do, you, what do you take? Do you take like eight to like on up or ten on the up? The youngest
1: I've ever taught is five, but I think that's a little young. Yeah, I don't so like teaching great. kids. Right. The youngest kids are kind of tough because it's, it's, it's nothing against them, but mm-hmm. it's just a, a different sort of. Oh, approach. I got everything so against them. <laughs> everything right. against well, young. Some kids people are great are. with working with. You're right, You're little right. kids. So those are the people that should be that should be with working with kids. wonderful
0: not me <laughs> the last time um, i had like a really young girl i was teaching piano and basic piano because i'm not like i can only get a student so far until i'm like okay you got to go somewhere else because i'm just gonna have you you know so um I'm, she cried that was the end <laughs> She <Sorry>. cri- <laughs> but it wasn't like it was only because she was Because, you know, kids, if they don't want to do something, they'll just find any reason to talk their way out of it. (laughs) And that's what she was doing. And I'm like, listen, you got to, like, focus. Or else I'm going to have to tell your mom. She's like, you're not very nice. And she just cried. And I was like, oh, my God. And and then you have to tell their parents that there was tears. And then... Anyways, please.
1: I think the the one thing I really like about older, like, teenagers or adults is Mm. just the fact that you can... Talk to them on your own level, yes, that sort of thing. Reason. In general, yeah. but also, yeah, with music, because I find music a lot more... In, I find music really interesting, obviously, yes, so, yes, and yes. that's great when I can share that with somebody, discuss it with somebody right. at all different levels, too, because I have some students st- now studying jazz with me, so that's more advanced stuff, but also people my age or older just beginning, mm. so that's that's a something that was weird to get used to, but I really like it, somebody like older than you, yeah. but you're the...
0: Yeah, the wise man, like yeah. teaching, like, uh, but yeah, but it's just been great. That that's always weird, right? Like when you have older students who are just trying to like, who who might be seasoned, but like you know, like you have knowledge that they might not. Right. It always reminds me of like, somebody. I mean, this is probably a bad. Example, but like just someone who's like manager is twenty five and they're like fifty working at like a restaurant taking orders from a twenty five yeah. year old. But that's totally different. <laughs> it has nothing to do with this. It just popped in my head and I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so your music club which is still going that sort of was something that set you on the path of writing and like like really focus so is that what you're really focusing on now is like writing and or is it more like what what are you focused on as a player as I mean like what are you currently focused on
1: um well I don't know because music is now what I do Mm -hmm. which is great because I'm right when I graduated I had. non music day job as I was building up my students. Yeah. You know. But now I'm just for a little over a year now I've just been teaching and gigging. It's been really nice. Uh, so I, things have been kind of busy lately, but over the summer I started getting more and more into solo guitar. Mm-hmm. Like solo instrumental guitar. Yeah. I have another friend from the Roots Music Club. I'm just gonna keep name dropping. <laughs> His okay. name's Barry Johnson. Okay. And he's an awesome uh, acoustic fingerstyle guitarist. Oh, yeah, yeah, And learning from him and a lot of the people he listens to, I'd, I'd like to do a lot more solo guitar because I'm doing a lot of solo guitar gigs, too. Do you sing as well? I do. Not really. Okay. I love to sing, yeah. but not that great. So I'm kind of like you. I've fi- I found some great singers to work with. <laughs> <right>? in, <laughs> yeah, I'll just let them do yeah, the heavy lifting. Yeah. Lift, yeah. yeah. But I do a lot of uh, solo instrumental guitar. And a lot yeah. of it will be jazz because... That's the kind of thing I learned in college, like solo jazz guitar. Yeah. And also now I'll do a mix of that and
0: like instrumental pop song arrangements.
1: Mm-hmm. Because that's great for... Where you,
0: so you'll have like the chord changes and the melody, like the vocal melodies going at the yeah. same time? Yeah, just like chord melody things gotcha. going.
1: Uh, and I'd like to do a lot more solo guitar. And my favorite guitarist, at least right now, is named Julian Lodge. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar. Nope. He's He's like 30 and he's been a pro since he was a teenager. He's amazing. little prodigy. He was a child prodigy, yeah. And he came from a jazz world Mm -hmm. and still does that, but he's branched out more and more over the years. And he also has a great bluegrass acoustic Mm -hmm. duo with another awesome guitarist named Chris Eldridge. And so he's Mm -hmm. my main... Is he like a, right is he a solo guy? Does he play Everything. with bands? That's what I mean. He's that good. What, do you, is there um, any like bands he plays with? Well, maybe not bands because it's kind of been his name. But yeah, yeah, be like yeah. A group Like the Julian Lodge Trio. Gotcha. You know, gotcha yeah. But anyway, I mentioned him for this because he released a solo guitar album a year or two ago. Okay. And it's great. And I think I connect with that even more than these finger style type things because I don't do too much of that. Yeah. I really like it, but... I haven't played too much of it yet. But Julian Lodge comes from the jazz background like I do, but mm-hmm. now he's doing other things, but you can still hear that influence Yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So he'll still use a flat pick okay. pretty much for everything, kind of a flat pick and a couple fingers on the right hand, you okay, know, to okay. do things, which is how I play. So yeah. I hear him doing such a complete solo guitar arrangement yeah. and saying, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see, I know what he's doing. Right, right,
0: right. So right. It you see it happening, totally but like, but if you were trying to go do it yourself, you'd be like, Ugh well, I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Is, well, that's the whole I have thing. I some free time. I'm going to really
1: study up You sit up on, down with it. Yeah, yeah. That, learn what he's doing and try to get yeah, my own stuff out of it's it. it's
0: interesting as you get further and further and as your ear develops how, like, how um hearing, like you start to hear things and then you start to see it in your head how it plays out right right and like for me that's sort of developing more and more now mm-hmm. as it should have probably developed when i was in my when i was a teenager <laughs> but well, my teaching's helped a lot with that too well i stopped teaching because i just i don't i don't i think i think dealing with too many kids is what ruined it for me but um I just stopped. I just I don't like it, and I should, but I don't, and so I just don't. My wife is an excellent teacher. She's mm-hmm. a vocal teacher. She teaches actually online. She has um mm-hmm. uh, teaches kids all over the world. Um, but she's amazing at it. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm just like I get I get frustrated easily. Like me in front, like because I do engineering too, like audio engineering too. Mm-hmm. So like. Watching me in front of like a computer like mixing and stuff is just me cursing at a computer like an inanimate object I am just cursing Mm. to hell. So it's like like that's the type of Frustration and like I get irate with it and like I don't get irate on children But like I know that energy has to be there still because like I can feel it inside and I know Mm. it I know I'm putting it off there and kids receive anyways I just don't want to deal with (laughs) it (laughs) i see um so so like your album is definitely sonically all over the place not it's very it's it's cohesive Mm -hmm. but it's definitely like because i think we you talked about it when we were texting back and forth was like yeah it's kind of everywhere and and i had a chance to listen to it and um i really liked Is it good enough is that the name of the song yeah that song's beautiful and there's a few songs on there. It's a beautiful album, is what I'm trying to say. It's a very beautiful album, and um, I don't know, like, do you want to just sort of, how was the idea sort of born? Like, where does, you want to yeah, start yeah. at beginning with that?
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, when I graduated, I mm. was just, my last two years in college, I was running the Roots Music Club, mm. and that was great for me in so many ways, not just meeting other musicians, but becoming a better musician yeah, in ways totally. that music school didn't really look at. And I think also producing those two albums, the right. those, those
0: first two for the club. Kind of gave you an idea of how an album is sort of right. from start to finish. Exactly, right. Yeah. The whole
1: process. And I mean, even things like the pressing um, and yeah yes. that and like the information for it and
0: metadata the,
1: and <laughs> yeah. i mean like say if, if it's on cds you know yes. like even graphically how to yeah. do that. like i'm not a graphic designer right but right saw all of it so. yeah there's a lot into so it so i think yeah but there's a lot of different mediums
0: that go into mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of different artistic mediums that go into it as yeah. well yeah it's a lot of work fully self-producing an album but <laughs> no, i mean yeah, i yeah. at least it became less of a mystery right? yeah so I yeah totally it done.
1: and then musically i it was a challenge i wanted to take so, I was planning on leaving BG probably within a year or so after I graduated. Mm. I'm still here because I just got more students and gigs, so it's been going well. So, I'm sticking <laughs> around for now. I understand. But uh, it's... So, So at the time, when I graduated, I knew I wanted to do an album already uh, like this, like a solo album. So, I wrote all the music and you know put quite a lot of work into it, but I knew I wanted to feature a lot of these musicians from Bowling Green yeah. that I've worked with and that are great at what they do. But I knew they'd move after a year or <laughs> two. Like it's yeah, Bow- yeah, it's yeah. kind of how Bowling Green is a lot. It, yeah, it's a transit, a college, right? Town. Yeah. yeah, if somebody's not from here, or if they are, they will probably leave at least for right. a time after college. Of course. Yeah. So I just wanted to get all these musicians together on a project of my own yeah. to feature them. So... It's funny, the first six months or so after I graduated, I did get in my own way in terms of uh, you know, being too organized, or at least too in my head mm-hmm. about writing. Yeah, writing yeah, yeah. Of course, also pretty busy with working and things like that, but just trying to get myself to
0: write, and I knew I was forcing it. So, yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. Not, it's and awesome and it comes approach. out that way too, right? Like, when, sometimes if you, mm-hmm. if you feel like you're forcing something, you can hear that sounds forced.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why I didn't continue with those <laughs> things because I think I wasn't continuing on any songs that didn't so, feel right. So
0: you weren't able to finish songs and you were just sort of. Right, blocked. it was bits and pieces and things like that. Yeah, By exactly. Your, you're in your own way. Yeah. Wow.
1: And overall, that I don't like how I like the process for this album. Like, I just put too much stress on myself and overthought all yeah. of it. It turned out fine. No, the uh, album sounds great. Uh, it sounds good. Yeah, but I think it, a lot of it was honestly putting the pressure on myself. Like, I already was in contact with the musicians and we were kind of setting vague dates and even talking to the studio. So I kind of put the pressure on myself to write because I kind of gave myself deadlines, which I don't really like to have to do that, but it helped.
0: Yeah, right. No, no. For some people, like, and it seems like for me and you both, we need some kind of motivating factor or else whatever. I don't know Mm. what you're, what do you do to turn off your brain? You know, um, TV, books, like, what is well, it? Well, that definitely
1: helps, yeah. But I think it's more of a, it was more of a deeper thing as far as um, just getting into the songwriting yeah, 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 totally. uh, mindset, as in, not just for, like, that one hour or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of, had to change
0: my whole mindset over to, I'm working on this project. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what were some of the things, did some of the things that got you past, like, just blocks when you just get stuck somewhere. Yeah. Um, besides like some of the pressure. Besides pressure. It, but, <laughs> well, pressure uh, helps, but.
1: Yeah. So one thing I found that helps, and I even talked to some of my students about this, if mm-hmm. any of my guitar students were interested in songwriting. You know how people talk about the, oh, they look, talk about it like a black and white dichotomy, writing on inspiration and making yourself write. You know, no. as if they're two totally separate things. Right, right. And, and of course, some people will say, okay, I only want to write on inspiration. I don't ever want to force it. Right. Then the problem with that is nothing gets done. When, well, no yeah, time,
0: when right? are you inspired? Exactly. Are you inspired today? Oh, exactly. no? Okay, I guess your exactly. family starves now. So, yeah, not just that, but nothing gets done. Because, <laughs> nothing gets yeah. done. Right. Well, uh, I, I always go to the extreme end, so yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Family's dead. All right, let's go. That's That's very
1: extreme consequences of not, of not writing it, so music. I know. I hadn't thought of it, but <laughs> but uh, I think a good balance for that or, or a method that helped me get past that mm. was I, would, I kept a notebook and I still do. I've kept a notebook for a long time of just writing down musical ideas or non-musical, just anything, just like writing down thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good thing. Hell yeah. And when I was in this writing process for the album... I would always have that around and always write down any ideas I had, even if it wasn't a good time to write. Mm-hmm. So I would write down just as best as I could, either specific lyrics or even specific notes, if I could get that down right away, or even just concepts, you know, mm-hmm. musically or lyrically for a song, anything like that. And that way, when you do actually come back to write, say you, ha- do, you know, oh, I have a few hours on this Saturday to write, of course, if you sit down to the blank page, yeah, that's the tough part, right? Yeah. yeah. So I learned the best way to avoid that was to be keeping this notebook. Mm. So then I can always start with that. You so always it, had you a jump off point, Exactly. And yeah. if it was something that you were excited about earlier in the week, it became easier and easier mm. to get writing. Yeah. When you yeah. Actually yeah. Have the time to write. Hell so yeah. Generally, that was a really good method for me. That's a, that's um, very, that's awesome. Yeah. And so for example, the song you mentioned good enough. Yes. Um, It's kind of funny with the song, with that song, because I didn't plan on those being the final lyrics at first. It was kind of just like, I'd written the music for it. I wrote the intro first, this eight bar intro, which kind of informed the chord changes for all the verses. Uh, This kind of based on this descending thing that a lot of people do, but I think I put a little spin on it, but it... uh, I had that and I think I started writing more of the music and bas- I think I had the whole song written without any lyrics, like even the melody mm-hmm. was basically how it would go. And I just knew I needed some lyrics. So it, the lyrics I had were I, at first were kind of like placeholder lyrics. Yeah. So I didn't think I'd keep them. And that helped take the stress off or yeah, pressure yeah. off. Right. Because I, Oh, I'm not going to keep these lyrics. I'll right, just write right. something. And there are simpler lyrics, but I think they ended up fine. Uh, I think, I can't remember if, maybe I just added this after, but I thought maybe at the time, good enough was almost a joke. Like, uh, <laughs> like these, that's like good they, enough. These are good enough for now, <laughs> I'll change these lyrics, but um, maybe it's because the singer who sang it, uh-huh. her name's Amy, uh, she did it so well yeah. that it... Uh, that made a, it br- like all right, we gave, gave life to, to these
0: like that. lyrics that you initially were like, and it's funny because right. like that's the song that resonates the most with me, and it's the one where you're just like, I just don't know. That's good enough. Yeah, I'm just sending right, this yeah. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Which sometimes you kind of have to do. You kind of have to remove yourself from a right. song because then what happens is you start overdoing it Mm -hmm. and then you start getting in your own way and you're just like that's not good enough that's stupid like oh my god okay throw it away right because you're letting it it's like i don't think
1: the lyrics are bad because it's just no matter what you do if if you're in the right mindset or even a somewhat right mindset to write uh just your natural ability comes out yeah if you've worked on it enough before yeah your instincts right right
0: you you have to sometimes i've been thinking a lot about this is like sometimes like you have to just go into a situation relying specifically on your instincts i mean that applies to a lot of situations but like especially with music and going into a writing session because like i like to collaborate a lot with other people and i'll go into a situation where it's just like I don't know what's about to happen but i know that i've done this enough that like there's some sort of just muscle memory that's gonna just kick in and sometimes you just gotta rely on that sometimes you're just like i just gotta rely on my fucking skills that i've been working on for my entire life so yeah anyways so that's sort of so good let's listen to that song
2: yeah
0: so let's listen to good enough and then we'll come back with our guest, I don't even think I introduced him. <laughs> We're talking to Mike Bryce, but you knew that from the name of the <laughs> podcast, the title. So well, let's listen to Good Enough off of Mike, Pry- Mike Price. <laughs> Mike Pry- Mike's album. Uh, it's called Electric Guitar, right? Eclectic Guitar. Eclectic Guitar. Easy mistake. Obvious guitar it's called part. Elect... <laughs> elect- <laughs> Dude. Okay, it's morning still, right? Yeah, it's still morning. We're gonna we're gonna chop it up to the morning. Good enough, we'll be right back.
3: to do good enough
0: that that's a great example of a song is there a song on the album that just like came like it was just like from start to finish like concept it just like flowed out of you which people talk about a lot like the flow state whatever was there any songs on the album that just was like you just puked it out all at once it was just like this done just or was it all (laughs) again i'm sorry i didn't mean to set me up for awesome uh answers
1: but not really for that one um not really uh it, it was all album. just, yeah. you were and out that, there just chipping re- away. I don't God. really like it at times. I yeah. That's where I envy some songwriters who can just yeah. oh, I, do it in one day I and it's it. great.
0: They, they just shit it out. like They just shit <laughs> gold all the time. Right. Um. You know, as much as people hate him, Kanye West is like, at one point in his career mm-hmm. and his life was just shitting gold, just shitting it out. Like every day, five of them a day, just shitting it out dare you like, go back to your well, little freak land i do
1: think it depends on the style of music right yeah if you're just writing a song with lyrics and chords mm-hmm.
0: um yeah you could should be simpler out. to just yeah. do that well I mean, it's not easy Certainly no no make a really good song no but, but you could like if you, c g c g turn around d okay here's a song the right, lyrics <laughs> and melody come naturally enough that can work so for
1: this album there's a lot more arrangement mm-hmm. like there's a lot of actual composing on yeah sound. Totally, like a lot of, totally actually most of the like tracks, you have violins I, and, I,
0: mm-hmm. and cellos and right. um there's songs that um I, it, it's only because I, I don't have a big reference of like like uh like classical classical music kind of fused with jazz type of thing so i just go back to um uh yeah. Esperanza Spalding's album she has this album I can't remember the name of it but it's all just like it's all chamber or it's like mm-hmm. it's like uh strings and mostly but it's like jazz arrangement. Yeah. I don't know are you familiar with the yeah, album she does everything yeah <laughs> she's, she's such a yeah. she's amazing yeah. um anyways please so uh, yeah well so I mean there were nothing a lot flowed of, for you but right,
1: yeah like at times maybe it felt like it but yeah. I knew all the songs were that sort of uh commitment right that sort of project. So there was sheet music for most of it. Gotcha. Uh like you know, I used the finale yeah, program yeah. on the computer and wrote a lot of charts for things. And the singers, there were five different vocalists throughout yeah. the album because I just knew so many great ones and I wanted to <laughs> get Yeah, them you wanted on to there. get them all on there. That's yeah. fine. And some of them read music, but that's still not always the best way for a singer to learn mm-hmm. melodies because I, I wrote the melodies to uh to fit with the lyrics so the way i'd teach those a lot would be to do a pretty simple demo recording you know simplify the rhythm part as much as as best as i could to Mm -hmm. even just one rhythm guitar and then play the vocal melody on another guitar track like overdub and in in that vocal range Mm -hmm. because i'd also i'd write the songs in a key that i could sing them in even though i'm not a great singer i would yeah, for because me you would be using your it. voice as a exactly. I would actually sing well. those melodies, yeah. and then I'd transpose it to whatever singer's range right. worked. And so I would record a little demo for the singers in that key for them to learn from. But the instrumental musicians, they were all great. And the I had two violinists there, each mm. on a couple tracks. But the main people who were on almost every track with me were Devante Stovall who's a close friend and multi-instrumentalist. He plays bass and cello. Oh. He played both, and it was electric and upright bass on various tracks. Mm. And then J.P. Stebel, who's a drummer, and he cool. was on most of the tracks. Uh, so they're, they went to music school with me, but were also involved with the Roots Music Club. And I still play with them, and they're great friends. And... I could rely on them to, you know, give them sheet music. Yeah. And they would read it down. Like we'd rehearse, of course, with the singers and with each other. But they would. I wouldn't have to worry about them as much. I could just give them. I could give Devante either specific notes to read for bass or cello, or just chord changes like mm-hmm. a jazz musician might read. And I wouldn't have to worry about it. Right. And JP, I probably barely wrote any parts for because I would just he would get an idea of the song. On yeah. drums, and
0: he would know what to do. All right, it. go. So that, you do that. Yeah, yes. that helped.
1: So I could folks warn what I was doing. Yeah. And vocalists
0: and violins. Hell yeah, totally. Uh, having I mean. a, having a solid drummer like at your disposal as a writer and as someone who records and stuff, having just like a drummer like a solid pocket, but like creative drummer on tap, mm-hmm. so crucial, dude. Yeah. I've I've come to rely on amazing drummers t- for my writing because like I'll I'll just. Because I'll do kind of the same thing, like if I'll, I'll compose something, I'll, but I do it all, like I'll either do it on like, um, I'll just demo it out, right, and have like midi drums, and I'll be like, so here's the drum beat, and a lot of times what I'll do is I'll send a song with no drums, and just so I hear what they're going to do, because I'll correspond sometimes with drummers, like just send like track with no drums, give them the tempo or whatever, and they do their thing, and they send it back however but sometimes i'll I'll, sometimes i'll send like a track if it's a drum beat that i specifically want i'm like here's my drum beat this is what i want you can add variations on it but this is what i want but for the most part i want a drummer to sort of set up and a lot of times a drummer will do something on a track that will totally change the track and then i'll just like work around that so it's just weird for me drums have a good drummer in my side has been like so key it's like to get anything done because i'm terrible at drums I, mean, I can't play drums but yeah. obviously but anyways well, yeah we've worked together for a long time the, yeah th- yeah the
1: three of us me jp
0: i was curious Devonte. did you guys do the recording as like a rhythm section first like all at once or did you guys track individual no, tracks we basically did the whole thing live live most of it even with the vocal sounds live. it was sounds separated li- yeah
1: um, well, some was overdubbed, yeah, with vocalists at least. I was but
0: curious on your solos. Um, were were you overdubbing, like piecing solos together, or were most of those live on the fly? Yeah, they were all
1: played straight through. Most cool. were improvised. Mm-hmm. I think two of them I wrote out. Yeah, um, ahead of time, just because it was the type of song where like good enough. I composed that solo mm-hmm. partly because I didn't want to waste time recording if you're the right. band played great but if i wasn't happy with the solo you <laughs> yeah know, so yeah I just wanted yeah to play, redo right yeah yeah, but more of the ones that were jazz or blues or rock influenced mm-hmm. they called for improvised solos so i did that yeah um
0: and i mean like you can tell that you're like somebody who's very interested in like that roots like uh um, bluegrass music just by the way that you play like doing I wish I knew the technical terms of this, but, like, just the way that you sort of were hanging out in the major blues, doing, like, mm-hmm. certain, um, certain bends or certain... You know, that sure. all fall in the country folk kind of genre of yeah. soloing. Yeah. If I knew the technical, like, if I, I, knew, the, the yeah. in, if I knew the intervals you were playing, because, like, there's a certain interval that goes with, like, country playing that sounds... <laughs> several, but, like, sliding into it... Right. God, I wish I knew the interval, but anyways... Um, that's been this one is where I falter is theory. <laughs> My wife fucking clowns me constantly because mm-hmm. she's a vocalist who can read sheet music perfectly, mm-hmm. teach it, and fucking knows her shit. And then, like, her fucking lackey husband. <laughs> like, don't talk to him about that. He don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyways. Um,
1: yeah, that's one, been one thing that uh, I am, I, that I do think about a lot how to play multiple styles of music mm. and it, it's always a mix of like you want to play each style of music appropriately like mm. fit into that style because you've heard say maybe a blues guitarist who sounds the same on every style and it doesn't fit if you're you know doing yeah, bendy yeah. blues pentatonics on a song that d- that doesn't work for it all but also if you i don't think it's always a good idea to completely change with every style mm. like some people if they make their career playing multiple styles just for that mm. you know cover bands or whatever recording different styles that can be good if you can completely change your voice and say sound like stevie ray vaughn exactly and <laughs> yeah yeah, totally yeah. A different guitarist. but i'd like to be able to play those different styles and fit in each style appropriately but also keep a voice throughout all of it yeah, right yeah, so it totally. still sound like that that'd be a great thing if you could play I, different styles, and people say, "Oh, that still sounds like the same guitar." Right,
0: and, and like you definitely, I think you pulled it off. I mean, I think you definitely sound like, like I was saying at the beginning, it was like you have this album that sort of is all over the place, but like there is this cohesiveness that sort of is runs throughout, um, whether it's sonically because what you probably record in the same studio, mm-hmm. or if it's just the way you write, like you can tell is like it's all of the same person. Some of those jazzier songs. The, Listen, all the songs are original? Yes. Okay. Because I wasn't sure, because I, I know there's a lot, a, a lot of time jazz musicians like to throw on mm. standards. Yeah. And so, there's. like, I wasn't sure if some of them were standards or not. No, they're all mine. And the one track, the
1: closest thing to straight ahead jazz is the fourth track called First Love. First Love, like, yeah. Yeah, and that is like a jazz standard sort of thing, because yeah. the singer on that is a great jazz singer, and he took a vocal solo. Right. Song, solo. Uh, but, yeah, and... and I think as what I was getting at with the playing style is you had mentioned sort of a country mm-hmm. type influence in there. I've been told that, and also sort of the the jazz thing is hard to turn off. You know, <laughs> even if I do play like yeah. straight rock or blues, I can't always make myself do just like the bending thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right? like, I just, mean just, like, I just need to slide, baby. I well, just I mean, it ends <laughs> up getting like. The jazz part starts to come out. You yeah, know, start yeah. start getting maybe a little too notey at times. Which is,
0: that's okay but because
1: it's tasteful. It's not like you're just... Well, that's the goal to be able to...
0: Right, because some people just like... Some people's idea of being a good player is just going... You know, and it's like... I think that's a lot... I see that a lot in younger players. And then as they get older... I mean, it's those younger players who like realize it from the beginning that really take off and can do awesome things. It's those people who think they're great players who are just like, bah! just going nuts and just not saying a goddamn thing. Which, this is all the stuff I'm working on, like, now. For the last few years, is what I've been really focusing on is like being tasteful and not being like, bah! because I've never thought I was a great player because I can do a fast run but uh but people seem to like that so it was very easy for me to sort of like live there and now i'm just sort of like okay that is not how i want to be perceived because i'm not playing i'm playing for people but really I'm playing for other musicians, which is so stupid. No. And it's shallow of me because really you should just be playing for yourself. And like, and if that resonates with people, that's awesome. Really, it should all be for yourself, but it's not. No, it's fucking, you know, like it's,
1: it's funny. You mentioned that sort of thing because say audience perception, right? If you're playing a show, I've noticed if you, it's, it's funny when, you might play something in your solo that you think was the coolest thing and it might not get much of a response. But if you go up and do a really fast, like repeating, bluesy thing, the the audience loves that, you know? And that, yeah, (laughs) it's just part of it. It's it's, it's funny you start to see that. So it's important, but you, yeah, one type of person's perception isn't, you have to take everybody's, and perceptions together and then also of course what you think about the music
0: right and, and I mean really it's how you process how you're receiving music and you're regurgitating it and that's what you're kind of being judged on is how you're taking what's already been done and just sort of redoing it the way you do it mm-hmm. and whether or not that's original or stands out is is up to whatever, whoever but it's kind of what we're doing um, but I was talking to my friends the other day like um i got I played this festival where I knew a lot of these a lot of the other musicians, and um some of the other musicians came up to me and was like, Hey, man, that was awesome, you fucking ripped it and blah blah, blah. and and like when it's compliments come from just people in the audience who are like, Hey, that was really great, you fucking killed it I'm like, it's really appreciative, but when it comes from a musician who you respect, you're just like things yeah, you absolutely. know you, yeah you know you pop your collar a little more <laughs> so it's um i mean these are very shallow points i'm making, but these They're are real I think. Into it. <laughs> I, I think but i think i think it's what i think it's what a lot of people think a lot of musicians are thinking too it's not something it's not an original thought or original feeling it's just it's just part of it yeah. you know it's just part of the journey. Yeah. and that's kind of what this podcast has turned into is like the journey of a musician yeah. okay so when what was the point? Because you said you had like a real like real job, <laughs> like like what we do isn't a real job. Uh, but like you had a civilian job, let's call it that. So what what was it? What did well, you? Well, that
1: like, wasn't no, it wasn't anything special. It was just. I, I don't care. I, well, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't care explain. if it was special. So I, I know it wasn't special. I mean, special. this is the best real job I've had. Oh, okay, the Most real job because I like I worked at Subway in college, you know, minimum yeah. wage thing, and then right when I graduated college, I you know i barely had any money because i was so busy right. finishing things up with college and being a music major in the roots music club yeah. that's all great but yeah how do i pay live? any money right? right so right when i graduated i had some students but i had to make money somehow right. so i worked at a nursing home here in bg just Aww. washing dishes and that yeah it was <laughs> like yeah.
0: no but no no but that it was fine
1: it was i had to wake up so early so <laughs> it
0: was not <laughs> no well the the whole point of it, I, I know that like those jobs aren't they're meaningful in the fact that it probably makes you like, be like, I really need to focus on my music. Yeah, that's right. it's <laughs> I need to get out of here. Yeah. That's, that's the only good thing about those kind of jobs. Where I was going was like, what was the point? Where was the, like, cause a lot of people have like tipping points where they're just like, and then my manager came up and said, do it again. And I was like, peace. You know, um, some people are just like, you know, uh, music picked up and I, and I had to choose music or, mm. or, or, or this, or you know, yeah. music, or washing dishes at a nursing home. So, what was sort of your tipping point, or what was the what was the motivating factor that got you out of like a job like that?
1: Well, it wasn't really that for me because I studied music yeah. in music school, which of course doesn't guarantee a career in music. It doesn't guarantee anything. <laughs> I, yeah, right. But I, I at least had the idea like this is what I want to do. So right. I was already teaching some, and I had an idea that I would want to you know while I'm younger and don't have any kids or anything yeah. right? i can survive just on yeah ramen noodles baby musician, yeah <laughs> so i so that was the plan always uh, it might not be the long-term plan because i also i was a double major at school so i also have a degree in psychology oh so later on down the road i think i'll get more into that maybe more That's stable interesting career. But I, I can always do music, which is great. So wait, so, so you have yes.
0: a degree where you could pursue, like, counseling or, so, so like, actually... Right. Yeah. That's Well,
1: it's just a bachelor's, but, of course, I'd have to go back to get but, a master's I or mean, something. I mean, at least you, know, that's you already have... That's why I got the double major while I was in there. So that what was, was it's the idea. you. You're
0: all responsible and shit. Right. <laughs> I wish I would have thought my life out a little better. But I decided uh, to drink. <laughs> yeah. That happens, too. It's okay. Yeah, of course. I, I like um, that song on your album, actually, is, like the one about drinking. I just listened to it. I was going to gonna say,
1: that would be a good one to play
0: because Yeah, that's, let's play that If one. you're going
1: to play a few, I think the first three tracks, honestly, are, are a good, offer a good variety. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Because
0: the first one is like straight up, it's like a blue shuffle, yeah, right? I yeah, I want to talk about that a bit too. And please, to please. Let's, let's I, yeah. Hold on. No, yes, let's get to yes, that. Yes. And so like, um, Third track, middle class moonshiner, I think is
1: what you're referring to. I
0: yes, but I, I was Someone just curious else. still on like sure. what was what was oh. what was it that got you out of your dishwashing right, right. job into?
1: Well, I, I mentioned the the other career plans because it wasn't like a breaking point or anything. Yeah, you yeah. Know, There was no conflict or anything. There, it was nice people I worked with, but I knew I was just going to be building up students and gigs so i could eventually your plan was already for in for place right you're yeah, like so i know not that, not that this is temporary. a story but it's just no no because
0: it. it is it is exciting in the fact that like not everybody is that planned out and organized and maybe that's something that might resonate with somebody where it's like well if you look at it like this because you obviously went into this job like my goal is this um i'm gonna work this job until i can get to that goal mm. And so maybe someone who might not think about it in those terms would listen and be like, oh, setting goals or like, um, I mean, because when you're a kid, you're not really thinking about not everybody. I mean, it seems like you were very much involved in thinking about what's coming as as I'm talking about (laughs) it. But well, I mean, you obviously are in a place where you're able to work as a musician and you're happy with what you do. And I mean, that's very important. And especially what you're under 30, probably. 25. Yeah. Okay. So. (laughs) <laughs> uh, for someone who's 25 to be able to say like i'm a working musician and like i have a bachelor's and a double bachelor there was a lot of thought that went into that and like that's i think that's important for people to know that just because you're a musician on whatever level doesn't mean that you can't like exist outside of like you know you don't always have to just play your you, I guess it all goes back to how like society kind of looks at art and musicians, and like how it's not a real career. Mm-hmm. Even you are like, I need something to back up on if this music oh, thing yeah. doesn't it's, work out. Yeah, I think that's the wrong perception and that's the wrong idea to give kids mm. because it is possible. It might not be you might not be a rich and famous on magazines, but I think it's it's a disservice to that child or to that person and to the world, really, mm-hmm. depending on how far they take music and how they can inspire people in the future, maybe. Um, yeah. well, it's a, I, I, think it, I think it's a disservice to like kind of put that in their heads. Right. And so when people are like you, or like, I'm 25, I'm a working musician, I think that's important for people to hear is like, Yo, I'm young, and like this music thing is uncertain, and everybody's telling me that it's a long shot, but this person is happy and is living a life and is able to buy things and, you know, enjoy a latte at, at 10 in the morning. Whatever. It, it, I think that's important for people to know, mm-hmm. because so much is uh, is writing against the arts. I think in America, like right. there's so much. Your parents are telling you, teachers are telling you, like you know, it's like you need to have something to fall back on because yeah. that's not gonna do it, you know. Like, right. and I think that's the wrong perception. Yeah, because there are working musicians. We're blue collar musicians, whatever, you know. Yeah. And that, we can take that as far as we can, you know. Right. So yeah, it's
1: it's not. In easy career, so I'd
0: you had a plan, and you're like, so this is temporary, right? 20, and now here we are. You're like, right. I'm doing what I want to do, and you're gonna take it as far as you can. So with the shuffle, what? So you were excited about the blues shuffle and the Moonshiner yeah. song. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to talk about that because sure, sure, you sure. kind of. Popped up and you're like, well, I want to talk about the blue shovel. The, so, oh, that
1: first track. Well, yeah, either one's fine. It's, it's funny well, you call it a blue yeah. shovel because I don't think it is at all. I guess the groove is, but there's all the it's like
0: composed b- parts b- 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 in there too. B- 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 oh yeah, there at is, the beginning, like, at the, the beginning, right? Yeah, and then it yeah there's comes back.
1: So that's I think that's worth
0: talking about. Sorry, that's what later, I latched onto. But you're absolutely that's right. Fine, there's an fine. intro there that is like very composed right. and very much. Yeah, so I'll talk about right. that so about. that's the opening track of the album mm. it's we'll, called, we'll listen to it after you get done explained yeah it. sure
1: uh it's called Barnfire uh-huh. and it's a lot of the titles are like jokes or like half jokes you know the album is called eclectic guitar <laughs> I just had to go for the easy guitar pun there
0: uh, but the, it, it, easy for me to get wrong too a lot of people too yeah oh electric guitar <laughs> right. looks well, that's that's the point <laughs> why'd you call <laughs> it electric, <laughs> electric guitar because you play electric guitar
1: <laughs> I'm sorry yeah, keep going. Um, but the Barnfire kind of was kind of a joke because the main band I've kind of worked in is called the Barncats, oh, which okay. itself was kind of a joke name because we had first first couple gigs, we played a mix of bluegrass and jazz music. So we're like, oh, barn cats. Like, oh, There I you know, go. I recalls. get it. So, yeah, and was, like it. It was with Devonte and JP, like nice. my main rhythm section guys. And then the singer is that jazz vocalist, really high tenor voice, mm-hmm. awesome singer named Bo Hammond we all met at BG. We all, all studied music here. And so that's been a main band that I've worked with. So the i mean it's kind of almost nonsense lyrics but the title was originally yeah. oh barn fire like the barn cats playing and this yeah. is a cool track
0: like a <laughs> like we're setting on fire right. with our music yeah that that's kind of a like we're like, we're right. jamming <laughs> so hot our our jams are so hot that we're lighting the place on fire yeah it
1: kind of sounds ridiculous like that but yes
0: <laughs> um, but that's, that's but fine.
1: yeah so that track does feature the four barn cats plus a violinist named okay. Davis West who's awesome too and so maybe you You probably can't tell from the album, but I'd say my main influence in my favorite band or one of them is called Punch Brothers. Mm -hmm. You're familiar? Yes. Yeah, so they're some of the best musicians right now, I believe. Yeah, they're good. They're a bluegrass quintet as far as their instrumentation goes, but they play all styles of music. They're classically trained. They improvise. They're amazing. So I think that sort of music inspired a lot of that first track. So, yes, it does start off with just a 30 seconds of solo guitar just to start it off. And then this composed thing, kind of counterpoint between the guitar and yeah. violin. And there was a song that we had written for actually the first Roots Music Club album that was kind of like that, like a mix between rock and funk and also like classical kind yeah, of counterpoint. Yeah, yeah. So this was kind of like 2.0 version of, gotcha, gotcha. of that between the guitar and violin. And then, yeah, it does turn into like a more energetic blue shuffle yeah, yeah. sort of thing and you know there's that sort of playing and i think that gives a good energy but then near the end the counterpoint thing comes back yeah. after the after the, the violin and guitar solos and i really liked that idea too having the in the counterpoint intro come back not quite as long it was about half the length and then the band kind of works back in and yeah. it all works together and and i was just happy with a lot of the Polyrhythmic stuff in there. Yeah, Maybe okay. Noticed, uh, but I, th- I think that was just a good first track to start off with, kind of energetic. And if anything, it's a there's a lot happening on the album. Right. But I'm a guitarist, so I wanted to show off a bit of the <laughs> the guitar playing. Yeah, the first cool. album it, It's also a demo in some ways. It can.
0: Well, I mean, and and like when you look at the whole album as like a whole, it kind of is like a motif. It's kind of like a setup for like that there is a lot to the. There's more than you know, like that there it's kind of going to be everywhere like right, this yeah. album's going to go places other mm-hmm. than just what you might think it would be i don't know I, mm-hmm. I mean like looking at the the art the album art i have no idea because because the way we kind of came in contact was we needed someone to fill a gig and adrian right. um which that went good yeah. right yeah it went well okay good um but um yeah, so like when Asa was sending, he was like, hey, because he posted something, he has further reach around here than I do. Um, he sent me, you know, I was going through the people who were like interested, and I was like, and I came across your thing, and I saw your album, and I just started clicking through songs, and Good Enough was the second song in the album. And, and I was, I listened to the, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. So like, I've definitely went with you because of your album. But like, when I looked at the album, I was like, I don't really know what this is going to be, but <laughs> we're going to dive in. Like it. the album art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just Walmart from, just like from a face value. I remember nice. just being like, cause I was vetting people because mm-hmm. I didn't want to send just anybody up there and like, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like the end all be all gig or anything, but it's still my name's attached to it. I wanted to send someone up there that's not an asshole. So, Smart. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, let's listen to uh, Barnfire, right? Right. Let's listen to Barnfire, and then we'll come back. Am I vibrating? Oh, I should turn this off. Oh, I need to pay attention to the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm very caffeinated now. This coffee got me pretty hyped. That was the point. Um, okay. Barnfire. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. back <laughs> okay so the moonshiner one was the other one you're kind of excited about what, what was it called
1: it's called middle class moonshine
0: middle class moonshine There's. and those lyrics are were uh, I, I think i was paying attention to those because those kind of resonated because um, <laughs> what did what she say It's like I can't afford to sh- shrink, so oh, that's that a good one. enough reason I I to need, drink or well, something.
1: Well, I think I need a lot of rhymes for drink
0: because that was the
1: refrain that kept coming. back. Right, but that but resonates whole, because, you. Know, I mean, please talk about it. Well, yeah, so that was, um, there's definitely, I think that and First Love would be the best examples of kind of sarcastic or joking. Yeah, yeah, too, yeah. Hopefully yeah. taken the right way by people, but Middle Class Moonshiner is kind of the idea of writing a blues song but from a perspective that's not as typical for blues and just talking about various problems that maybe college graduates face, right? Like mm-hmm. the whole middle-class sort of thing. Yeah, I know that's like um, shaky ground, especially with po- politics being able to come into it pretty easily. like
0: With safe rooms and is that well, what they're called? I mean, I mean, there's safe a little, There's a little
1: reference to the president in there. who I'm not <laughs> yeah. a fan of, but it's just like, <laughs> where do you draw the line? I don't want to be political, but yeah, like no, Parkinson. I feel
0: you. no. You wanted to, you wanted to say something, but you weren't trying to divide people. Or no, anything, of course right? not. But it's like it's, I have to uh, say something. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I think it's kind of so the song's not about me. There's certainly yeah. things that I've dealt with in there, but it's almost well because you of, even
0: like make a real reference. It's like I'm just a white middle class. Privilege, there's, a, there's person, a line like that, you know, yeah, like because there's a there's definitely, I definitely heard, I definitely heard I your political, the, yeah, well, thing going in there. But well, I'm pretty liberal, <laughs> so it's I'm liberal of, too. I mean, it's
1: uh, it's, it's, I don't know if that lets me speak from <laughs> a, a certain perspective. You can speak of however uh, you want, man. But it's well, it's like, say, I think the second verse, I believe it be or the one after the first course or whatever, I think I'm most proud of because there's lines, you know mentioned the president there and Hmm. um also like say like student debt you know like yeah from politics to something that i think hurts a lot of people i know
0: oh yeah it crushed my wife oh my god it ruined my wife for a long time until she realized that her debt wasn't through the federal government and it was through private loans Mm -hmm. seven years later no debt <laughs> well she still has a little bit uh she still has the federal loans yeah. so that's still like but it's manageable because gotcha. she went to out-of-state private music school mm-hmm. so and she went she went to seattle she, she's from san diego but okay. she went to seattle out-of-state private christian music program mm-hmm. whatever crushing debt like i just remember her crying like they wanted like 700 dollars, and like her rent was 600 you know <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> it's, it's a lot like, but n- yeah not to get too far into that no no you know, I no think the- which is a whole nother scam of mm-hmm. itself but that's fine looks- well yeah the point is i think the
1: lyrics speak for themselves <laughs> on that one so i don't have to <laughs> but it's just like there, there's, there's a lot of things in there of course there's like some like silliness to it too but i yeah i think that's i was proud of the song so the that's your attempt
0: to make a political stance i like No, it's it. not, <laughs> not I didn't well it sounds like it was some I mean, kind of attempt a, it's
1: not political at all um i just mean some of that kind of bleeds uh, through here we go about mike bryce political,
0: political <laughs> liberal liberal warrior <laughs> oh, God. or sjw mike bryce writing political movement songs i'm I sorry really that was it. so stupid and i'm I apologize. Please, it happens. let's <laughs> listen. Let's listen to middle class man in China, and uh, we'll be right back. Sure. And we're back mm. um so, well i was going to say with
1: that song just other than the lyrics and if the listeners just heard it now i think the music i'm really proud of too yeah as far as instrumentally it's that is more of like a blues jam sort yeah of thing, yeah so yeah to get that style in there. And,
0: and that solo it has that i think that is the heavy like kind of the bluesy country solo right is it's, that, it's funny you
1: say that yeah i think so more, and that was i just wanted it to be like a blues track but i think that the country sort of influence comes well, out just the way i you play. know what
0: a great mix between like the jazz blues and uh country and this might be chet akins are you familiar with chet sure. akins at all i think he had a great feel with that i mean he's very specifically like that rockabilly well, type did, thing he did but he did though too yeah yeah he, he played did jazz too. like right. i felt like he had a great mix of jazz country blues thing going on whereas yeah. like I, if i was like if i wanted to be a I, I, like, I always liked him as a player, always wanted to kind of be like him as a player, but, nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, well,
1: yeah, and I think worth mentioning, too, is the vocalist, mm-hmm. which I've mentioned some of these different vocalists. Um, also, maybe why these first three tracks are good ones to listen to, because yeah. they feature three different vocalists right. who are both pretty prominently featured, and, yeah, the first track, Barn Fire, featured Bo Hammond, Amy Hewitt was on Good Enough, the mm-hmm. second track. And this third one features a vocalist named Flannery Mernin, who's actually from Bowling Green. Oh, yeah. And she's awesome. She's got that bluesy voice. Yeah. But she can she's can also... got the growl going. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, also got an awesome yeah. soft voice, too, Yeah, uh, which comes out in another song uh, that she sings later on the album. And, yeah, I knew with her singing on the album, I wanted one, like, really bluesy for her to mm-hmm. really be in her element for something like that. So yeah, that song totally. also, I think that brings up a point for – uh, if we wanted to get back to songwriting at all for this mm-hmm. album, a really important thing for me was writing for the musicians that I knew would be on the album, oh, okay. right? Because that's, that's an approach some people don't make, yeah. don't take it. Those elusive, <laughs> amazing songwriters who just do it in one day might just write awesome songs and then like any vocalist can sing them and right, make it right, good right. Or, or put a different spin on it. But when I was writing these songs, I basically knew who would be singing on each one. So that actually influenced the writing a lot. I've worked with all these vocalists before.
0: And that's a great jumping point on its own. Like knowing that this is, I mean, just knowing who you're working with and being able to have a direction from that mm-hmm. itself. So, like, you knew you were going to be working with this bluesy singer who has a great register for mm-hmm. the blues. And you're like, right. I'm going to write a blues song. And like, then she's going right, to sing like it. As I was yeah. Right, as I said, all so the songs. So, just as, as a jump off them. point by itself, just mm-hmm. knowing who you're working with and right. knowing just having the capability of writing for that right. person. Right, that was is, a great is, challenge to yeah. try to write different styles. That also helped with
1: varying the styles because I knew each singer had a different kind mm-hmm. of style. Yeah. Like, Bo did a lot more jazz and that sort of thing. Um, Amy, who sang Good Enough, and another mm-hmm. song called Promise has this really beautiful soft voice. Yeah. So I wanted to write Shoot. songs that made the best of that. Uh, there's another vocalist named J.R. Lucas on there who's like more of a country and mm-hmm. roots music sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. So the closest thing to a country-ish song on there I wrote for him to sing. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, that, that was just a really important part of my writing.
0: With the, the with, when, when you're writing the album or when you're writing in general Um, because you were saying like just doing the work versus being inspired were you actually taking like okay from 2 to 5 p.m today I'm writing or it was it just like whenever you had a chance like was it a very rigid scheduled thing or was it just whenever you had time like how was how did you approach it
1: it wasn't rigid like the same time each day Mm -hmm. but I did like to look ahead in my schedule and see like when will I actually have a few hours together to write because I found that was important and maybe a reason I haven't written too much lately because when you're doing a lot of things, um, your free time might kind of just be scattered, right? So if you have an hour here, hour there, that's good to get other stuff done. But if you really want to get into writing, I think it takes at least a few hours altogether Mm -hmm. because it's just starting to write or play and then you kind of get in the flow of it. Yeah, and
0: so much goes into that. And whatever it is, I mean, like, to get into a mode, it might take you just sitting there noodling you know, mm-hmm. just boo I'm just sitting here like mindlessly, like meditatively, whatever it is that yeah. gets you in that mindset. Right. Um,
1: well that's why I was saying the idea of writing things down throughout the week. Like yes, right? that yes. helped get helped me get into it a lot. Quicker. Especially
0: coming back to something too. <clears throat> I'm yeah, sure. like specific ideas to it's start like, with. Oh shit. Like, 'cause cause you probably what, would demo it a little and then and then listen to it throughout the week or no? Um,
1: no, I'd like sing it. the week just be or like singing it, it myself. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I probably wouldn't do any record any demos until I wanted to teach it to yeah. somebody like the vocalist. Like oh, I okay. said, and that wouldn't mean it's final either, right? Mm. I would make changes then. But as I said, this type of music, or maybe it's just me, <laughs> just took a lot longer time. And some of it was, and this kind of was comforting to me, knowing that, th- of course, it took a lot of inspiration and things like that. But I realized certain parts of it could just be chipped away at, and I could just work without even thinking much, and that's where the musical training and ability comes out with. Like if it was, say if I was like writing string parts for one of those softer songs, and that was for for a crazy person like me who's too (laughs) organized and plans things out way too much, that would help because that would take some pressure off. Right. Like knowing, all right, even if I'm not, quote, feeling it today, Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I could still get some work to right. make some progress on some of these songs just by sitting down doing it. And then, of course, when you start doing that, then you actually do get inspired, right? Right, like the right. Priming, the pump all of analogy. a sudden, yeah. All of a sudden, it's Because then you're like, working.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're in that mode. Yeah, and sometimes you have to just do... Like, I'll, I'll totally do that with um, editing something. So, like, I'll get a certain part with a track, right? I'll get to a certain point and then, like like just writing it out, fleshing it out, I just call it sketching out a song. Like I'll just do like, okay so if I have like changes, okay here's my changes, I'll just lump them all together, loop them, put like a generic drum beat to it and then I just have... okay so I have a layout and then if I'm just stuck like with maybe a change up or something or, or a progression I'll be like, I don't fucking know what to do here. So I'll either move on to a different track or I'll sit there and do all the micro edits. So I'll start going through and maybe adding drum fills or I'll go through and maybe I'll add in dead space between like information waves, you know, like I'll just kill that dead space just so, just so in the end mixing, it's easier to mix it down and just Mm -hmm. faster, more streamlined. And then through that, i'll kind of be inspired maybe to add it in a change it's like oh wow that's cool that's like i can add delay here and maybe that will carry over into the next part whatever it is mm-hmm. just working through certain uh technical aspects of it can trigger other uh right. can trigger um creativity and um, writing and stuff like that right, right. have you ever read uh stephen pressfield's book the uh war art of not the is it the war of art not the art no, of war. I haven't. Uh art of w- the war of art. Um he kind of goes through it. He's a writer. He did um he wrote Tin Cup. I don't know if you know. No, I I'm think not Will Smith, author, but. Well, Will Smith he was in the movie version of that. Okay. Anyways, he's a writer. He writes books, screenplays, and his career didn't start until he was like 45. Like he just He came to a point in his life where he's like, I'm just going to treat this like a job. Get up from like nine to five. I'm writing. And so he comes from the camp of like, just fucking do it. Every day you get up, grind, grind, grind. And there is merit to that. Oh, yeah. But there is like, the thing is, the most successful people I know that do music have that. They do that. They like, I get up and I write and this is how I do it. I don't know, like, do you, do you, were you, I mean, I know I just asked you, you had to kind of schedule your stuff in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever see yourself kind of being rigid like that, ever getting to a point where if that was the case, that that's how you would approach it? Or do you mm-hmm. kind of like how you chipped away at it? Well, this?
1: at times I, I think that would be a good thing at times I think I did that mm-hmm. the only reason I couldn't you know spend a whole day writing or one of the reasons is of course you know if you're working or doing other things yeah. you know uh, but I, I do like the idea of being able to just keep working at something mm-hmm. like I said I think I kind of held myself back from that at times and I'd like to be able to do that because if you can just write the way you're talking about mm-hmm. it, as long as you can edit afterwards right right, and, right, and, and, right. Like, choose what the best stuff is that's a really good right approach I think but that's not always feasible yeah it's not always feasible but but say even if you have time to do that like on a weekend just mm. for example uh you have to work in breaks and things like that mm. and by that I mean actual breaks just resting or just doing other stuff I think right at times
0: well you have yeah you have to like I think like you what you hear with a lot of people who are creative who are a lot of creatives mm. um is that they have to have downtime. They have to have time to be bored. They have to have time. It's almost like it's like a fuel tank, right? It's like they they drain it, and then they have to fill it back up with boredom or whatever it is, something other than being creative.
2: Right.
1: Well, I don't even know. Like, for that reason, I don't know if I could do just, uh, like, writing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I'd like it. Right. And of course, kind of trying to work to a point where I can just... Perform like I love. Right. How I'm just doing music now, and I do like teaching. Right. But of course, if you, you get to a point where you can just perform, right, in tour, that's, to that's be, the main. And then like
0: thing. perform original music only, right? Exactly. That's and kind like, of what so you're like towards. the different levels you're leveling right, right, exactly. up through it.
1: <laughs> but it's what I'm saying is I think that I don't think that'd be impossible, but I think that's actually a challenge in itself to yeah say if you are only writing to keep focused on that or still feel like you're being productive even if you're not. Mm-hmm. you know, Yeah. It, I think if you can be, in my case, if I'm at least teaching some or playing gigs, that's a good thing for the writing because then you're off doing something else that isn't just taking a break. You're actually being productive and, you know, feeling like you're getting things done. Yeah. So then you go back to the writing and that's part of your job too, but it's not all of it. Right, right. So it's not like you're just yeah up and trying to write.
0: Well, I mean, I think also having the variety of stuff doing is keeps you going as well. Yeah. So, like, performing, you write, and you teach. You have all these different outlets, all these different mediums, all these different facets to sort of express yourself. I think that's super important, too, rather than someone who is just like, I just do this, I just do this. You know, like, to me, that almost turns into factory work. It's just easy to get burnout. out. Yes, no exactly, exactly. You, it like that. you might as well just be, well, it's way better than pushing a button a thousand times a day. I mean, writing music is... Far better than that, yeah. it is. But I
1: know what you mean. Like it be, it even <sighs> if you're doing something that minotions. you really
0: love, mm-hmm. if you overdo it, of right. course that
1: can right. even seem it's tedious. Like, you don't I really
0: want like pie, but if I <laughs> overeat pie, I'm going to feel terrible and be a fat diabetic and you have my foot cut off. So you, you, you're saying how like you're? I mean, you're a busy guy. You you're hustling. You're constantly in hustle mode. Uh, I know you probably don't call it hustling, <laughs> but you're constantly. Um, emotion do you know going somewhere having the you ha- you 're scheduled somewhere here scheduled somewhere there mm-hmm. um do you find that sometimes that you get too busy to sort of like focus on writing or too busy even focus on your own playing in general yeah,
1: and I think I've been all right with that this year so far because mm-hmm. since this album was such a big project last year, uh, like it ended up taking more time and energy than I wanted <laughs> I think it was still worth it definitely but, definitely um. I think I let myself take a break from writing this year. And yeah. I'm still playing a lot because, um, like playing a lot more gigs this year mm. has made me have to learn a lot more music and things like that. Right. Yeah, totally. So that's just where I'm getting a lot of my practice in. Hell right? yeah. Like, I mean, yes, music's my whole job now, but teaching isn't the same as practicing. Right. So even mm. if I have a guitar in my hand, when I'm teaching the guitar, that's not the same as actual right. practice. practice. Uh, but like I said, what, what I'm trying to do with solo guitar, that, that's I think my next big goal with you're playing. Focusing and, on that, yeah.
0: So when you have in your free time now, that's sort of what you're focusing on is yeah. i like again, just your to just trying to get myself guitar. to do that
1: more. But that is definitely something I want to you know, get into next.
0: And the great thing about your own solo thing is you can just go set up your amp somewhere and that's it. And then you get to take home all the money at the end of the night too. <laughs> yeah, not
1: just <laughs> yeah, that's true, and not just for performing, but. Uh, This is definitely way in the distance, but I'm vaguely thinking my next album would be like a solo guitar thing. Not just because that's what I'm playing more of, but it would just be such a different process from the last one I did. Right. Right. Completely different because so much of the work with the last album was writing, not just writing the songs, but parts for other people and so much technical stuff like Organizing the recording sessions and rehearsals Scheduling. and things like that. Yeah. And I was used to that, like I said, from the Roots Music Club, so that helped. Yeah. But I think if I did a solo guitar album, that would be a very different process. Still a lot of work, but yeah. then like 90% of the work would just be On playing. You. Right, yeah. and just it's playing. Like and it's so just me
0: showing up and. Right, and doing also me. just
1: <laughs> as far as the actual process of recording the album goes, it would also be very different because this was, even the recording process was such a long thing, and then mixing and all that with this last one. If I do a solo guitar thing, it'll just be me writing the solo pieces and learning them really really well mm-hmm. and then when it's finally all together, then I'll just schedule a couple of recording sessions right. solo and just you can probably knock just shit it out in a day. Yeah. The recording, yeah, I want to be to that point where I can play these original compositions well enough that I that the recording process will be just, just as simple as playing quick, them yeah. and then a simple mix and I think that would be a good way to do the next project. <laughs> Just very uh, different from the last one, but no. it'll still be a lot of work, but it'll be on the playing side of it. Now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's so like scheduling musicians, especially good musicians who are in demand. That's hard. It's fucking hard. Like me and my wife, we're working on it right now. We're trying to, we're in the business. We're in that decision moment. We're, where we're like, are we going to make an album, or are we going to make an EP? Because <laughs> like right now we have an EP, and it needs just a little bit more work. But now that we live in Ohio, because we, we moved from San Diego last September here, and um, so she's been flying out. And because we're where we're recording is a very specific place that we have to record at, because it's... First of all, it's all one takes. I mean, you, they do multiple takes, but it's all just, you know, live. Mm-hmm. It's all recorded live. It's all recorded on the tape. Oh. And it's all recorded through all these old amps and shit. So it, there's, like, the whole process is just time-consuming. And not that working with tape and old equipment is is such a huge hassle, but it, it can be, you know. Mm. We've had several hiccups, but... Um, yeah, it... it just trying to get those people together organize it and then because also what we're doing is i'm writing the music on like uh, uh not reason jesus christ ableton and so a lot of the drums and stuff are electronic and so they're taking the song that i did on a computer inbox and i'll play guitar and bass or whatever but and then they're turning it into a band composition so there's also that so not only are we flying out there, but we have to get rehearsal spaces and then we have to have time to rehearse. We have to get the musicians to have time to rehearse. Then we got to make sure that the musicians can get into the studio because we're paying per hour motherfucker. And like, you know, getting them there on time and like, it's, it's it's a fucking, it's a nightmare. It's a fucking nightmare to put together something like this. Mm So, so like from start to, so from start to finish, how long did, was the whole process of, of, Eclectic guitar.
1: Uh, it was it was a good year. It depends a year? That's it? It depends what you include in the process, but yeah. I, I, mean, I thought that was a long time, but yeah, like the writing. Yeah. As I said near the end of 2016. Yeah. Or second half of 2016, I tried to write more, but it really didn't take off until the beginning of 2017. Yeah, I mean, and I was getting the musicians together by, you know, spring 2017. I knew who was going to be on it, and we were, I think, rehearsing a bit of the songs that we. That were done. Yeah. Uh, but then into the summer, I was still finishing some songs, but also we started recording in like June. Yeah. And we had four recording sessions just kind of spread over a couple months mm-hmm. in like the summer into early fall of last year. Okay. And then just yeah, did all the so, mixing so, last fall. So a year,
0: yeah. I I don't think a year is that bad. <laughs> yeah. But but it was probably music that's it's probably been bits and pieces of music that's been probably been sitting around for a little while that you probably had right. Like no, might know, really. or you, you start all setting
1: me up for these awesome talking points, and I'm like no, because <laughs> no. no, it's uh, no no, th- it's... that was really written like all for that album. I
0: think that's awesome though, like because you're saying set me up for awesome talking points. I think it's an awesome. <laughs> I think it's an awesome talking point that you went into something just completely blank. Was like, let's start from the beginning. Nothing's written yeah. out. Not one song I did i had oh, a fucking four. liar. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we had recorded it. There's an
1: instrumental on there called Strike Three. Okay. Um, which is kind of like a jazz funk sort
0: of thing. Mm-hmm. And we had recorded that. Is actually. that the one that's just sort of the bass line hangs mm-hmm. out in, on yeah. the root? and music. it was... Okay. Well, not, or it's maybe we're... Kind of like he, it's a repetitive bass line. It's like kind of a groovier bass line. Yeah, the I, faster I, one. I think there's so. There's another slower one kind of like that. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know the names of any of your songs, but I've listened like to your album like four or five times. So, great. Well, it's...
1: It it was originally recorded on one of the Roots Music Club albums, Mm. and I had written it then with Devontae and JP playing with me, so guitar, drums, bass, and then saxophone played the lead instrument, but the saxophonist had, I believe, moved away by that point when I recorded this album, so we actually just had a violinist do it, and it was the same violinist from Barnfire, Davis West, and he, and that was very improvised song. Like I've written the melody and things like that and how the groove goes. But then there was a lot of improvisation on all of our parts. In fact, there's drums, guitar and violin solos on the whole thing. The only instrument that doesn't take a solo on that is bass. Mm. But we've talked about how that's maybe the most important part on the whole track because it keeps that groove going the whole time. Even when the time signature changes for the drums, and the Mm -hmm. other parts, he keeps that going. It's this whole like, changing meter type thing with that song but i mean it's just i couldn't do it with other musicians at least not that i've known at the time because it's yeah. been working with Devonte and jp for so long that i knew they could handle that sort of thing and yeah. keep it steady and it still felt natural Did so i was glad to revisit that song and re-record it
0: is though is that one of those things that that choice to sort of make it change the time signature was that choice like i mean i know on some level it's creative but was that also like on some level like I just want, I just want to do it just to see, to, just to do it just yeah. to see how it goes. Yeah. Or? Well, it's, it's. I mean, so you, you already knew how it was gonna go, but like. You well, not really. So
1: that one is, as I said, the one that yeah. I wrote a while ago, right. while I was still in college,
0: and it. I guess I was asking like, how much of that is like your nerd, your music nerd, yeah. and how much is it like this is a real creative well, choice that's gonna move to, the song, right? I wanna
1: think. I'm trying to think of it because that was written so long ago. Yeah. But. I think it was... I think it was a little bit of both, and mm. I wanted to try this interesting thing. So it's it's like in 3-4 time, mm. strike three, also, I guess, a joke title as jazz okay. musicians kind of do with <laughs> instrumental songs. Yeah. You know, Take 5 by Dave Brubeck. <laughs> right, it's right. almost like... Yeah, play on three. that. It sounded like a cool phrase, and also like it's in it's in 3-4 mm-hmm. for most of it. So the main bass line is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 3-4, yeah. right? It's kind of like a mm. jazz waltz almost at first. And violin solo then kind of it's kind of ended up in like 12 8 so like 3 4 dent but also with uh uh-huh. you know more of a rock feel but then the big meter change comes with the guitar solo where it turns into like halftime funk almost yeah and yeah at first it was just on paper like i wonder if this can still sound good and it's that 3 4 bass line let me think it's whatever the quarter note is in 3 4 okay dun, 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 dun. Turns into the eighth note okay. for halftime funk, so it goes from okay, so look. like that. And what I wanted to see uh, th- if this could work was keep the bass line doing exactly what it was before, yeah. while the drums and guitar go into this four-four funk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it surprisingly sounded good. Yeah, man. Devante just holding that bass line really steady. Uh uh-huh. And the rest of us kind of going into a totally different groove and and like the form followed for the solos was like a minor blues form. Yeah. And it followed the form in the new time signature. So we kind of made the baseline fit in that. And it's like pretty (laughs) heady stuff. If you
0: listen to it folks on the baseline, it sounds wrong. Now we got to play it. Let's just play the fucking song. Let's just play the fucking song. Okay. Uh, And what's the name of the song again? called Strike Three. All right. We're going to do Strike Three and we'll be back. Okay, so now if you guys are nice and confused and all mixed up in your meters and your time signatures, that's good because that's what Mike wanted. He just wanted you to be confused and group, (laughs) though. No, No, I mean, I wanted to... Yeah,
1: I think with complex music like that, it's it's a great thing if you can make it sound good but still be... Yeah, totally.
0: You know who's really good at that, I thought, is Snarky Puppy has that, like, really, they can sort of capture that essence of just being, like these virtuosa, virtu, virtuosos um, and also creating like this very palatable yeah, and, and attainable music that yeah. a lot of people can get onto. But if you've ever been to a snarky puppy concert, it's all just like music nerds and a, a, it's like total dude storm, it, music nerd dude storm. Nothing against the Lay's. Lay's can play their asses off. It's just that, it, I don't know, it just seemed like there was a lot of dudes at the Snarky Poppy show. <laughs> just a lot
1: of music nerds. Well, um, I think Punch Brothers are like that too with uh, writing mm-hmm. such interesting stuff, but it still sounds good. Right. If you listen to some Punch Brothers songs, it'll change keys so much. Like even their more pop-ish mm-hmm. sounding songs, they'll change keys mm. throughout. And you don't even notice. Yeah, and I did that a couple times on my album, like with "Good Enough." There's key changes in there. Yeah, it, you might not even notice because the I just key change is the key
0: change between the the verse and the, the choruses? Okay, it? yeah, yeah. I was, like I was proud that with is, that one with the chords I used to transition, so it still sounded natural. It did no because like that definitely does stand out to me because you get to this point where you just are like you're kind of lulled into this sort of your your mm-hmm. your your main riff there progression and then all of a sudden it's like it's a change but it, it takes you back It like i don't want to say off-putting because it's not off-putting but it, it definitely like you notice it but it flows just like right, it's that's, fine that's it's it's not there. like a bad thing i wasn't trying yeah. to um i know you already mentioned you're working on your solo act but is there anything else in your playing or anything in your past that you've Uh, any challenges or weaknesses that you've tried to overcome with your playing in the past or currently and I I know you're trying to really get a hold of this solo thing but is there anything else in your playing and I always give the example is like I play piano um, but my left hand isn't that great so I run drills on it Mm -hmm. so something like that but it can be on anything it can be songwriting you're playing just something to do with your playing or music or whatever you're doing so
1: yeah well there's the songwriting i think we've talked about that you know struggles with that and weaknesses with that as far as playing goes it's even with how much i play jazz i'm not the strongest straight ahead jazz player Mm -hmm. and like an example of something i always am working on and want to keep working on is speed Mm. Like I think I'm I'm a pretty fast legato player, and that comes out when I improvise, yeah. Just my left hand going, but I've never been great at really fast, say eighth notes, like picking each Mm -hmm. eighth note for like say really fast bebop, really fast jazz, right? So that's something I I stray away from, Mm -hmm. which I should you know make myself play more of it, but say you know just a really fast bebop tune it it's interesting because, 250 beats per minute yeah being able to play eighth notes non-stop through the whole thing really cleanly really well and That's it's, impressive and something i don't do too much
0: and it's interesting that you that you found an interest in bluegrass because bluegrass is a lot of that as well right I it's don't like do
1: that as well yeah either. you know like, what i mean do like that,
0: but like it really is that yeah. single that single picking but like just that quick picking just mm-hmm. blowing through those scales like
1: and it's funny you say that because it's i thought i played A good amount of bluegrass But maybe it is more of a country sort of thing Or slower bluegrass Because I've got a couple gigs coming up With another singer uh, That I rehearsed with recently And he's also He spent a couple years in Georgia Mm. His name's Corey Jolly And he's an awesome singer and guitarist That I knew from BG He's been in Georgia the past couple years And there he had to learn a lot of bluegrass guitar Oh cool And, And so he's become an awesome guitar player too so I was just, and mandolin, and I was just rehearsing with him, and we were doing actual bluegrass, and oh, like nice. fast. Oh, know, it's wow. a struggle to keep up. So that's something I need to work on, too, especially on an acoustic guitar, being able to flat pick to yeah. notes Ooh, at that shit, tempo really man. cleanly. So that's yeah, another weakness music. of mine that I really need to work on, <laughs> especially if I'm going to play like real bluegrass.
0: Yeah, yeah, really and, doing it. I, I just saw this one act. His name is Billy Strings. Oh, uh, yeah. Did you see him here at the Black Swamp Festival? No, I saw him at Hookerville hookahville no. 50 um i don't know if you know who acoustic hookah is they are a hippie no. jam band okay um if you're interested in in like that kind of flat picking like stuff uh their guitar player is really good at it he's a rock guitar player he plays a like a like an original like 50 something gold top and he's just incredible. his name's steve sweeney mm-hmm. he's definitely worth like just looking into as a player. It, The band is okay um (laughs) no i love the band they're they're a big part of my adolescence and stuff but anyways i saw billy strings and he was a great i was because like he started just start off it was just four of them no drummer Mm -hmm. just the strings and um it was by by the middle of the set you're just like what the fuck like they were awesome because i I mean because they also delve into that psychedelic world Mm -hmm. because they can play these hippie festivals and like that's exactly what they were doing and I was definitely under the influence so it was definitely working on a lot of levels for me
1: well, oh. they were here in Bowling Green about a month ago for okay. the Black Swamp Arts Festival. Oh, they were sweet. one of the headliners. And yeah, know. they were great. I had heard sure. of Billy Strings beforehand, mm-hmm. and I listened to him a bit more in the week leading up to the festival, you yeah. know, just to be more familiar with his music. But their set was awesome. It's, yeah. Again, it's like kind of like Punch Brothers, uh, more of a traditional bluegrass instrumentation, right. but they did so much Yeah, but they go stuff. everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah like they There they, is fiddle on the album, mm-hmm. but the touring band that sounds like both of us saw
0: was yeah. just a four Just piece. the four of them, yeah. The yeah. mandolin, banjo, upright and, and Billy strings playing just, guitar and singing
1: yeah. also has an amazing bluegrass voice. Yeah. But the playing is young too. Yeah. As well. I was impressed with all the playing, but mm. one thing I thought was really awesome uh, about Billy strings playing was or his sound really. He used like these electric guitar effects. Yeah. Like yeah. pedals and stuff like that. Totally. And it was still so
0: tasteful. Like he was just but playing this yeah, acoustic guitar and it worked. So like, oh, I mean yeah. like he had to have like, you have to vet, you really have to vet your, your, your effects Properly, if you're going to put your acoustic through it. But like his playing, from what I know, comes
1: from Bluegrass, just because I have his newest album. I think it's his newest, and what he played a lot of music from at the show is called Turmoil and Tinfoil, and it's awesome. So I've been listening to that a lot. About to listen to that on the way home. And I checked out even some of his earlier stuff, too, and he had an album, I think, from five years ago or so that was pretty straight ahead traditional bluegrass. Mm. And that was awesome too. But yeah. you kinda see like that's where he comes from. Yeah. And he that's learned to world. do that really, really well. And now he's taking that and changing it up
0: with Well, I heard yeah. someone was telling me at the festival that it was like, Yeah, he was this like child prodigy bluegrass player who like got sick of playing with all these old guys who were playing like were very stuck in this traditional sense of of the genre and he was like fuck that and he decided as a young kid he's like i'm done playing with the old guys like i'll play with them but like i need people who are going to be down because you do see like people who are very traditional players they get very stuck in that tradition which is cool which i love i think that's an amazing thing to impart on the world is like you just devoted your whole life like bb king devoted his whole life to just the fucking pentatonic. you know like it's amazing uh, the blues scale and uh that's important, but I think that also gets boring. And like we were saying, you yeah. get, I feel like I would get burnt out on just playing this mm-hmm. or just playing that and to have variety, you know. Yeah. Like, and that newest
1: Billy Strings album is really, as I said, I'm still listening to it and, it, and I'm trying to learn a lot from mm-hmm. it, or I am just from listening to it. And not just from his playing, he's an awesome soloist and songwriter, but I've noticed a lot of, say, the chord progressions for a lot of the songs on there are like something that like a modern like rock or even punk band would do like yeah, say you're like it's just, you know playing like a major chord as like a power chord you know like the y- bar chord, y- yeah, power yeah. chord shape and he'll go up to like the flat two of it and go back the way that like a, yeah, punk yeah. <laughs> or a rock band might do And it's like that's the coolest thing to hear yeah like a
0: bluegrass instrumentation
1: band yeah that, and it's Great, like it still fits with the song, right?
0: Yeah, right, it's and been so I don't know um, because you do have like a complicated um, sense of writing and stuff, you like to have s- several different things, you know, several different time signatures going all at once and stuff. Sometimes. Do you well, yeah, but do you find do you find that, I don't know if this is the right way to even word this, but do you find that when you're writing maybe something that's a little bit more pop-oriented, meaning that it's a little bit more straightforward, not so many changes, maybe it's 4-4 or stuff, do you find that more exciting, or do you find it more exciting to be writing just crazy stuff, you know, with different time signatures? And
1: It all depends. I, I guess and i've got to watch you know the musical snobbery here you know yeah. of course nothing wrong. oh with you have to simple pop songs. i
0: get i get i used to that's what used to fuck me up it was uh-huh. music snobbery even right. though i had no reason to be a music snob because i don't know it yeah. that well to be able to have right, carry okay that it,
1: air if you feel that way because you hear too many songs that all sound the same right it's okay and that's a good thing if you're feeling like yeah or else yes. all the music ends up sounding like that and that's exactly. not good. so as i said some strangely enough somebody like the Punch Brothers, mm-hmm. as I've said in recent years, they've gone more into, I think, trying to be more accessible, like songs mm-hmm. that sound like they could be more pop songs. Right. But they still have, like, key changes in there and, like, these awesome instrumental parts that, that are right. just buried in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think something like that helps. So again, yeah. like, the song Good Enough does sound more like it could be on the radio or something right. as opposed to other songs on that album not sounding like that. But I still wanted it to be interesting. Mm. So I think that was just natural because if I had just written the whole song with just like three chords, right. it wouldn't be as interesting. And there are like there's even a song on there called Only for You and that's the mm. one that's close to kind of like a countryish sound. Yeah, yeah. Um that is maybe the simplest song chord-wise because it is just in the key of C mm-hmm. and just one, four, five, and six chords, and a couple of like just maybe extra just things very in there. Straight-forward yeah, so that easy was just song. the song for that. So I do like a song like that because it kind of evokes like a traditional mm-hmm. sort of sound. Yeah, yeah. But
0: so it seems like it you get more, like you this. get off more on having those little Easter eggs within the song. That, that too. Sort I like of little hidden interesting things like there's yeah.
1: like random little even with lyrics like i'm not trying to be cute or anything or maybe i am subconsciously <laughs> but there's like it's all right. these like there'll be like little hidden references in the lyrics or mm. even in the music that mm. maybe nobody's gotten or because yeah. I, I think that's always a that's a cool feeling maybe somebody's listening to something and listens to it a lot and doesn't really get some reference in there or pick up on something until like the 10th listen yeah like, i've had that listening to some of my favorites yeah. and that's such a cool thing like if you have something that's hidden in the song that's not obvious at all yeah and then you like it's it's almost like one more reason to keep listening to great music because yeah, then man. you get more out of it even after you've listened to it a dozen times like, yeah that's great totally It's man. like a extended release capsule of <laughs> it is of, of like meaning in the music like different layers hell yeah. yeah that 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 is a great uh goal to have in songwriting to make a song that can sound great on the first listen mm-hmm. but then there's even more to it the more it's you There's just listen like, to it. You like you just every time you listen and to it explain, but no
0: no sort of it's because it's the same reason why i'll listen to like a song like an album like like um like Beck always has like interesting things going on in his music but like on um Sea Change is a very very folky way removed from his like crazy frenetic crazy changes and quick music that he usually comes out but it was very is very um I don't know. have you ever heard Sea Change or Beck? Do you care for Beck? I'm not as Beck? familiar with Beck, but Um uh, Well anyways, it's like a it's like a it's like a folky album, but it has all these layers of like sounds and it's just like just just When I listen to music, like I just wanna hear something I didn't hear from the time I listened to it before. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that album does that for me. Mm-hmm. And y- You just always hear something different. And that I'm totally with you. Like when it comes to just albums or music, it's like I just wanna be able to hear something different. And there is something to be said about like just Bob Dylan and his acoustic guitar just playing straightforward and like that on its own is is good enough. But there's turn of phrases that you can pick apart and stuff, but like I don't know. I'm never just talking about instrumentation, like I know
1: what you mean, but say like just comparing it to your typical pop song, mm-hmm. right? Which def- those have their place, and it can be great to have a pop song that just sounds great the first listen. Mm-hmm. And it's always fun to listen to, yeah. But might not have any deeper layers of meaning. Yes. So that can, I think that's a long-term goal of mine to be able to write songs, some that just have the one purpose, you know, mm-hmm. like one that just sounds good or is just like a really cool blues jam or something. Yeah. But I think it can be a really great thing to write a song that has those layers
0: of just meaning. just every time you listen to right. it, there's something new to kind of like wrap your head around yeah or, it's and, yeah it's hard to <laughs> describe yeah, and i know like that, that's all like, i know it's, it's, where it's where subjective you know i know that's a very subjective thing to sort of like try to produce for people you know what i mean like yeah. but that's really interesting music like, yeah i agree
1: sort of thing just going for that approach.
0: what's uh what's like an album or an artist that kind of does that yeah. for you a lot
1: well there's probably a few, but one that's just coming to mind and I probably don't seem like a hip hop type of guy mm-hmm. and it's not really in the music either. And I don't listen to tons of hip hop, but one album I really liked was To Pimp a Butterfly. The Kendrick oh, Lamar Kendrick, one. yeah. I think one reason I liked it was not only he's an amazing rapper, but the music. Right? Thunder had some awesome jazz. Yeah, he had some awesome jazz musicians yeah. playing on that. But I think musically and lyrically, there's things in that album that come at you mm-hmm. after you listen to it a, a long time like right you get some sort of reference in the lyrics or something that you just pass by you the first couple times even mm-hmm. like they all sound great all the tracks yeah but then there's just deeper layers of meaning in yeah the, it like just keeps like going that. yeah like a real work of art like a real project yeah hell yeah Like it's tough to do but those are the best albums. it is tough
0: to do but yeah, yeah totally man it's it, it's interesting that how like some of those like some of the greatest albums in the world were just like things that just came about like just really quickly like Mm -hmm. like how we were talking at the beginning and then all and then some of them are like just you know note by note just every day chipping away at this Mm -hmm. huge mountain of just like whatever is gonna be at the end of this you know like. I don't know. I just thought that was yeah. It's just an interesting concept that I think, um, do you know who, uh, do you have you ever heard of A uh, Hundred Years of Solitude? It's a, cl- it's a book. It's like, the, it's a classic book. Um, I should be reading Gabriel Marquez, whatever, whatever his name is. It's a classic book. But he said that the idea for that book came to him all at once just while he was walking down the street mm-hmm. from start to finish. And it's, it's not a huge book, but it's a fucking, it's a novel. I don't know i don't even know why i'm bringing this up but i just think it's such a fucking interesting concept to just think that like something like that could come and like the book is amazing incredible book that changed my life but it just came out like that it's just there it is and it's like i don't know there's some whatever reason i even brought that up i just like that idea that something can just come out like that like
1: but when you see people people like that projects like that come out Mm. you know those people have worked at it for a long long time it's true so that's another goal and their
0: instincts were are so sharp that they were able to take that information wherever Mm -hmm. it came from Mm -hmm. and distill it into something very precise Mm -hmm. and something that they've honed their skills in years and years Mm -hmm. and able to like do it
1: yeah i'm I'm really fascinated by the psychological concept of Mm how all these ideas can build up in the subconscious Mm -hmm. right and and oh yeah thinking about them but it's if you put in work just writing a lot or just playing music or in a lot of creative domains right not just mm -hmm. music and then an idea like that can just come out yeah it seems like out of nowhere but it's been building a long time under the surface that sort of thing
0: exactly and 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 to be able to access it yeah that's like in however many amazing things about
1: the human mind yeah just shit just sits
0: there and then like Mm -hmm. just all of a sudden it just comes out in some weird way and whether it's like a negative like emotion or if it's like a really awesome song it's just like it's just sitting there waiting to Mm -hmm. fucking just spray out at you however it does okay so we gotta wrap it up here it's we're getting to that time where i have to go take my son to school Mm -hmm. um but uh, I, I, I've i been ending this, ending my podcast with this question because I just like it. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen uh, Comedians in Cars getting coffee? I've seen a bit of it. With yeah. Jerry Seinfeld. Right. Yeah. So Dana Carvey was one of his guests on the new season on Netflix. Um, and he asked Jerry Seinfeld a question that threw Jerry Seinfeld off <laughs> and because he, he said that no one's ever asked him that. And it's such a nice question that I've just co-opted it into my this mm-hmm. so and it's totally weird and it's off-putting <laughs> to some people but when do you feel most loved
1: oh no that's a good question a really I good love question.
0: it I think it's the cutest little question ever. yeah that's nice <laughs> um, which I said cutest little question in a sentence and that's really funny I mean, no that's a good question <laughs> I watch how deep question. I get here I guess but it don't have to be deep uh, it can be very surface so, somebody told me it's when I'm playing and people love me when they're, the audience is really into it that's mm-hmm. when I feel love. Yeah. I'm like, okay, oh. uh, that's fleeting, but okay.
1: I mean, this is, I don't know about when, I think the people that have seemed to have, seem to have had the most impact on me in recent years have been friends, just like close friends. So, being around Green. friends. And just Yeah, I think I am a deep talk kind of person. So, whenever I'm having like really deep conversations with my closest friends mm-hmm. and say friends help you through a tough time, like that sort of thing. If yeah. somebody's really willing to to help you through a tough time, yeah, that's when you feel really, yeah, loved, totally. you know, when somebody doesn't have to right.
0: be nice to you. Or, exactly. You know, uh, They're like going out of their way. Like they don't have to be there with you right now. They could be anywhere, right? whatever, they, doing you know whatever, the, whatever. You know the, you know the classic song,
1: nobody knows you when you're down and out. Yeah. That, every once in a while I think about that, and it's unfortunately a really true thing. It's really it easy for people to... Uh, treat others well when that when those people are doing really well in mm-hmm. life, and it's not always just it's not a bad thing. It's not like, say, if you're doing really well in your career and in life, more people want to be around you and spend more time with you. Mm-hmm. It's not always that they're just trying to get something from you or anything like that. Right. It just draws people in yes. when when good things are happening and you're positive. So the flip side of that, and what that classic song. Refers to is when things are tough for you and when you most need to feel loved or most need people's help. That's when people might not be right away to (laughs) to
0: help you out. Well, everybody wants to feel good. Everybody wants to be around the guy who feels who's making you feel good. But as soon as that good is not there, or like as soon as something's not, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's it's. Yeah, (sighs) so I think you feel. Mm -hmm. I think I feel
1: most loved when you're in a place where. You know, maybe you're not the most appealing person to be around at the yeah. time. And friends and people you really care about are still willing to be there with you.
0: That's a very That's beautiful answer. Think. And I haven't had anybody, and I've only been asking it for like the last five or six mm-hmm. shows, but like, you know, I've been, and there's no wrong answer, obviously, there's no wrong answer. Like that kid who was like, I feel loved when I'm on stage and the crowd's really into it. Mm-hmm. It's not a wrong answer, but he opened up that statement, is like, I don't think I do feel loved. And I'm just like, oh, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, after I press a little, you you see that there is love there, but... There's no wrong answer. You can start to off thing. the podcast with that question and be a very different podcast. I suppose you're right. <laughs> I I like the idea of it being an ending yeah, because I it's like too. a nice way to like leave somebody with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know like yeah, like leave your nice. leave the audience with that guest is like a positive thing, you know. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than the guest just being doom and gloom and yeah. <laughs> saying yes and no to every question right. and um Okay, awesome. Mike, thank you so much for doing the the show, man. I appreciate you coming down. And we're at, at, where were we at? Flatlands? Yeah. Flatlands Coffee. They make a good latte and their coffee Uh was good. So come down here as well. (laughs) Thank you, Flatlands, (laughs) for letting us hang out here. But Mike, thank you so much. Where can people find your music? Where can people, how can people hire you? How can people hire you as a teacher? Yeah,
1: well, the main... Resource would be my website. That is everything on there. It's MikeBriceMusic.com
0: How do you spell Bryce? Bryce
1: B R Y C E.
0: There you Mike go. Bryce
1: musiccom mm. and of course, there's links to anything on that album to, on that website to contact me, to find the album recordings, show calendar, information about me. Uh, but then, if you're also just looking to hear the album, eclectic guitar under my name, Mike Bryce. Uh, that's I've recently gotten that up on. Spotify, iTunes, all the streaming yeah. and buying places. And actually here in Bowling Green, it's actually right next door. Oh. There's a record store called Finder's Records, yeah. and the CD's available there, oh, too. Oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah, one record store that's still around, and it's awesome <laughs> still. Right? It's hard for that to survive, oh, it, man, it's doing great from what I know.
0: Well, record sales are good, just everything else. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Well, I mean, yeah, CDs but and like, stuff in there, but yeah, it <laughs> survives as a physical store. All right, Mike, thank you so much, man. Thank you very much, Mike, for meeting me up at Flatlands Coffee. Again, you can go to MikeBriceMusic.com and check out what he has going on over there. He has, of course, the new album... Uh, eclectic guitar and uh, through the website you can i think you can buy the album you can get you can buy music lessons and check out where he's playing and all that shit so you should definitely go to mikebricemusic.com and check him out or follow him on facebook he's under mike Bryce, and that's m-i-k-e-b-r-y-c-e music.com you can also write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. Let us know what you think, how we're doing. You can also check out the wasteland. That is the we speak English good.net. Follow me on Instagram at we speak English good. Same at, on uh, Facebook, we speak at we speak English good. Or you can follow me on Facebook on my personal page, which is Mike Epp, which is mostly just pictures of Bishop doing my son it's a lot of family stuff i mostly keep that for family it's the most active facebook page i have so i'll promote shows and stuff on it and just random shit it's more of a facebook profile than it is like a promotion profile so anyways um yeah that's it that's it for now i think next week bentley michaels is back Uh uh-oh let's see what bentley has been up to uh We had a great conversation, and we might add another one, so there might be a two-parter Bentley Michaels thing coming up. So, uh, if you like Bentley, uh, he is a voice act, voiceover actor out of fuck Oregon. What? Not fuck Oregon, but uh, Oregon the state, not Oregon, Ohio. Um, uh, what what is what city do you live in? It's like forty miles north of Eugene. I think it's the capital of the fucking city, Salem, Salem, Oregon. Uh, Bentley, last year uh, when me and Raina were on Van Life, I did a podcast with Bentley while on Van Life at this uh, park, which was kind of a homeless encampment in Eugene, called Eugene, Oregon, called a- Amazon Amazon Park. Um, yeah, so I did that. We were, I was in a van. We were talking. We we're both just sort of like. I don't know. It was a cool cool conversation then, and then, so this is a good update. Bentley is just going to be one of those people that are just going to always be on the show every year just because I love talking to him. He's just, uh, and he's good at his job. He's a fucking professional. So, anyways, love you guys. Uh, Be good. Be good. Be good. Be good to your fellow human beings. H.J.'s for everybody. I'll see you guys next week.